Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and today I'm joined by regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit Turner. Hello, Ben. How you doing? Good, thanks, mate. Good. You're back from your holiday looking... I can't tell if you look tanned. I look the same as I did before I left. I hid from the sun for a week. Yeah, it's the best thing to do, isn't it? But uh, yeah, today we're joined by a very special pair of guests. One who is set for his first appearance on Horror Hangout, and the other one is a returning face. Well, we just can't seem to get rid of, but we don't know. <laughs> uh, writer and director Jake West is best known for his feature film work, including his debut award-winning Razorblade Smile, Evil Aliens, Pumpkinhead, Ashes to Ashes, Doghouse, The ABCs of Death, Midnight Peep Show, plus recently well-received documentary Mancunian Man, The Legendary Life of Cliff Twemlow, which premiered at Fright Fest last month. Welcome to the show, Jake. Oh, thank you very much. It's great to be hanging out with the Horror Hangout. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, and also, Aaron Truss, uh, an award-winning director and producer known for Knox, the Rob Knox story, and Cult of VHS Plus, the director of short film Paradolia, which also premiered at Fright Fest. Uh, it's a Fright Fest loving. It's a Fright Fest yeah, loving this week. Well, <laughs> welcome back, Aaron. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I just, I love this podcast, so why wouldn't I not come back, you know? You're welcome back. Anytime you want. Just, just for, even if you have to force your way in, it's fine. Kick the door down. Yeah, that um, doesn't sound nice. You didn't change the password, you just turn up one week. <laughs> <laughs> just turn up every single week. Uh so yeah, very exciting this week. Uh thanks for joining us, both of you. And also a great film to to have chosen. And of course, one that is very um present in your hearts for both of you. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah. Ever present. Yeah, I mean, Phantasm series is one of my favourite film series. So I love the Phantasm movies. Um, although Phantasm 2 is wonderful. It wouldn't be my favourite one, but it's a great film because I love ah, them all. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. So would, are you, would you say your favourite was the original? Yeah, Phantasm, the original, and then Phantasm 4, Phantasm 2, Phantasm 3, Lord of the Dead. So that's the way I'd go. Ravager doesn't quite feature into the canon for me because it's not Coscarelli. Oh, okay. It's a different director. Yeah. I see, I see. 
Um, yeah, because of course you made Phantasm. I don't mean to sort of. Uh, so I'm sure everyone. I mean, Phantasm Two is an amazing, fun movie. Like it's it's balls to the wall, literally. It's just got. Is it got more more um, budget? That's right, isn't it? It's like a bigger budget. It's, it's the biggest budget of the Phantasm series because it was Universal who who financed it, but it was mm. the it was the lowest budget film that they made that year. <laughs> so it was just, <laughs> all right, okay. Yeah, it was just under three million dollars the budget for this film, which for Don was a huge amount of money because obviously the first Phantasm was made for you know like about six hundred and fifty thousand, but wow. the first film it took him over a year to make it. You know, because he was shooting it at weekends and stuff like that. So he would do to get the maximum amount of money for their camera hire. Over the, if you hired a camera package over the weekend, you would get a free day hire on the on the camera kit. So you, so one a one day rental you'd get three days. So he'd get it out on Friday, return it on Monday. So they would shoot for three days over the weekend. Then he would edit during the week, and then he would go back and and you know like uh, shoot again for another three days a week or so later. So it. Phantasm, the first one, was shot in a very kind of independent guerrilla style where yeah. Don did all of the, he was the cinematographer as well as the, you know, the writer, director, you know, he, and, you know, he did everything kind of on that one. You know, his mum made the costumes and, you know, also his dad was a producer. But, but so it was a real kind of sort of homegrown family effort. And I don't know if you know about his earlier films before that, um, you know, like Kenny, Kenny and Company that he had done, um, and uh, and Danny, the world's greatest, because that's where he oh. met. That's where he met Angus Scrim and Angus Scrim, the tall man, and Reggie Bannister, and you know a lot of the actors you see in Phantasm. They were all part of this little stock company that he had got yeah. in his early films. So there's a little bit of a trivia burst for you on the, the Phantasm. But Phantasm Two, he then got a lot more money, but it's Don's. He felt it's the most compromised of the Phantom Phantasm films, and he said it's the most, the the least dreamlike of the Phantasm films because the studio imposed a lot of notes on it and wanted it to be logical and literal. And you can kind of see that there's something a bit less Phantasmy about Phantasm too. Yeah, not that I it's definitely not, felt that. You know, so and that's that that's why because he didn't make it in quite the same way, and then then three and four were made back in that more kind of indie sort of style. So three and four had lower budgets again. Yeah, well, the, the lowest budget of all of them was the fourth one. In fact, um, the third one had an an okayish budget, but then it never got a cinema release, and he was really upset about that. It just went straight to video back in the day. So mm. that's you know that's the little kind of potted history of that. Yeah, that's I, really I mean, interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've only ever seen the original, Andy, isn't it? Uh, we covered it. We did cover that on the podcast. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's one again. of my absolute favourites. Actually, I should have brought it in. I've got my original preset VHS of it. I can go grab it later on if you want to see oh, it, God. which definitely I bought from that. my video shop. Um, I first saw it when I was about 14 years old in the in the early 80s, you know, and uh, it was amazing. I absolutely loved it, fell in love with it. And uh, then I found out Don Coscrelli was 18 years old when he made that film. And it's kind of like, wow. wow. God. <laughs> I love it's hearing inspiring. these behind the scenes, like how they go about making them. And it's really, like, I just watched the two back to back because it's been a while since I saw Phantasm. So didn't manage all four uh, in, in one sitting, but I managed to do one and two back to back. And it's so cool seeing them together almost. Yeah. Um, and then hearing the journey that the, like the creative team went on and doing it in the family affair that builds up it shows how they fit together. And you can definitely see, especially now you've told me exactly what it was, 
how Phantasm 2 has more studio oversight and I guess studio input into what it looks like as a film. Because you're right, it doesn't have that same, well, the the dreamlike quality is a lot more straightforward and linear in what they have. And I think, you know, things that we get, the little narration scenes that we'll no doubt talk about that perhaps would have been absent in the original one where you were just, you were just drifting from one time transition to another. Yeah, I think that Don had a much better version of Phantasm 2 that that never got got seen um, because the studio said he had to take out all of the dream dream logic and nightmare stuff because they they wanted it literal. So I've never seen a different version of it, but Don was very That's much really dumb. You know that he was a bit gutted because he felt it was the most compromised of them, even though he had more money. So which is that typical thing. And I mean, obviously, we'll get yeah, onto yeah. the casting, and you guys probably know a little bit about that as well, perhaps, and what happened to him on two. I, I'm, I, I've saved a lot of this, but I knew we had an expert in Jake, so I know that I was like... So, I mean, do you guys lead where you want to go and we can, I can just throw in some bits and bits. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm going okay. to be leaning on you for this one. Because it's I, knew, it's, it's I knew I was never going to overcome a natural expert in. So, it's well. actually a night, a night off for us, it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Horror Hangout with... <laughs> and his guests, Ben and Andy. Exactly. No, but Andy... that. As I was saying to Ben earlier, though, even though, you know, nobody knows everything about everything. It's just obviously I was very lucky because I got to meet Don and make a documentary about the Phantasm films. So that's, you know, but it's been a long time since I did it. It was 2005 that we did that. So it's quite a long time ago. But Phantasm is just stuff that I love. So I can't remember everyone's names and some of the location. That's that's fine. No no pressure to have perfect recall on these things. the title gives it away. We're here to hang out. We'll chat about what's what's going on, what people enjoy, because that's what I love to hear about people's experience with these films. I mean, mm. we could dive into this later, but as we're talking Phantasm up top here as a general series, um, what are both of your feelings on why we've seen so much in reboots and you know reimaginings of a lot of these beloved series? Sometimes the original creators, sometimes not. What do you feel think like Phantasm's future is there? Do you think it's going to happen? Would you like it we, to happen? We discussed this last night, didn't we, Jake? We yeah. were saying, is it a possibility? And I think you did tell me that they have tried to bring Phantasm yeah. back. Yeah, but they have they, they have tried um, numerous times. Um, obviously, the, 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 big, the big break that never happened for Phantasm was when after Roger Avery, who co-wrote Pulp Fiction with Quentin Tarantino, after, he, they, after they won the Oscar for Best Screenplay with uh, Pulp Fiction, uh, as uh, Don says, you know, like basically, Roger Avery had he had the keys he had the keys to Disneyland. He could basically say, "This is what I'm going to do next, and it's going to be amazing." But he said he completely he he kind of blew his chance a bit because he said to the studios, "What I really want to do is make the ultimate Phantasm film," and he wrote a film called Phantasm 1999 or Phantasm's End, as it was called at that point, and that was going to be a massive budget Phantasm movie that was going to take place. You know, it, it, like as a, you know, in 1999, it was going to be Bruce Bruce Campbell was going to be in it as a kind of super soldier kind of guy. It was a kind of super ramped up thing where you saw all of these towns that have been ravaged by the tall man. There is a script of it. If you if you go online, you can probably find it. Phantasm, not, not, no Phantasm's End. The Avery thing, so it never was produced in the end, but it's a fascinating read. So that never happened. And that's when then Don went back and he did Phantasm four because he wanted to make a, a another phantasm film so he did that on a very low budget which was, I say, was the lowest budget of the series of all of them in the end the fourth one um and you know he he you but actually, also i don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it but 
because he shot the original Phantasm for such a long time, um, what's amazing about Phantasm 4 is that there was loads of material that in Phantasm that was never used. And some of that material is reinstated ah, in, okay. in Phantasm 4, Oblivion, including one of the most fantastic sequences, the hanging tree sequence, which is superb. And that was originally shot. So it's got seamless transitions between him as a kid and him, you know, Michael Baldwin, who's back in it by then. Yeah. It's fantastic. So, you know, that's as a as a Phantasm fan, then that is something, you know, which is be- a beautiful thing. <laughs> I love the fact that Phantasm Oblivion has got the Roman numerals for four within the yes. word Oblivion as well, which is... Yes. That's just you love great. to see it. You love to see it. Are you, but, um, Aaron, it, are, you, are you a fairly new fan of the of the franchise then, would you say? Or have you always been a, a big fan of Phantasm? I'm still on my journey because... Uh, Phantasm, I, I don't know how I discovered Phantasm, but it was before I met Jake. And <clears throat> I remember, I think it was 2020, I think I I properly watched Phantasm and I watched it on Halloween. And I remember it blowing my, my mind and just thinking, this is one of the best horror films ever. And I had no one to share it with, which was a shame because I was, you know, my girlfriend, she doesn't watch horror movies or anything like that. But um, when I watched it, I loved the soundtrack, uh, the tall man. There were shots that really creeped me out, even as an adult watching it, like the tall man picking up the coffin and putting it in the hearse by himself and uh, all, all these little things. One hand, one-handed, right? Yeah. Is that right? It was <laughs> under his arm, I think, as well. It was kind of like it was nothing. Like, guy was going to get a hernia, but he didn't. And um... <laughs> Angus Scribb doesn't get hernias. <laughs> he does not, no. And, of course, that's why we, uh, uh, my dad and I wrote a little nod to Phantasm in Paradolia, which is the Scrim Cottage oh, where yeah. the events yeah. take place in the film. And has nothing to do with Jake. Just putting that out there, Jake didn't have anything to do with that. But it, it was... I immediately knew the reference, obviously, because it was like, you know, I, I was like, phantasm reference. <laughs> but I don't think anyone else picked up on it particularly. I love I love when you get the reference and you feel like no one else has. You do that thing where you look around like that, just going, what, just me? Just me? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, when I saw it, I was with Aaron, so we both chuckled at the same point. So oh, okay. I, knew, I knew that he knew, but I didn't realise that he hadn't seen all of the Phantasm films. So I've been saying oh. to him, we'll watch three, he needs to see three and four, and then he can watch the he can watch my documentary then. Because Phantasmagoria, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been an ongoing thing now. Every time like we've been we've gone for a drink or something like that, and we'll say, Yeah, I'll see you later. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we'll watch Phantasm Three soon, and we never bloody do. We watch. <laughs> we've we've gone back one film to do this podcast, so so we have to do three. Your, your this is the ramp up. This is the ramp up. You can. This will be the springboard you need to get to watch Phantasm Three. It's going to be for me. I'm going to watch. I'm a big sucker for once I've started doing a doing a series. I've done it for better or worse with Howling. I bailed out of Underworld. I haven't been able to do more of those. Ah. Um, but um, Phantasm, I think. Three and four, quick succession now. Oh, Phantasm is great. This is so much, it's such a fun series. Um, you know, mm. it's really, it's such a wonderful, uh, you know, what I think what Don did with the Phantasm films, which is different to a lot of other horror films. There's, and if you if you meet Don, you'll find it's in him. There's, he, he's completely, he's completely unpretentious. He's got a really, he's a, he's a giant of a guy. He's tall, he's taller than Angus Scrim. Don Corsquelli. He's about six a real foot tall seven. man. Is yeah, he? He, yeah, I mean, he's the taller uh, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, the taller man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Angus Scrim in real life was is about was sorry he's gone now. Bless him. Um, what he was like six foot four. Um, so in the original film, 
Don, he actually got built up shoes. They they did lifts in his shoes to get him up to about six foot six, six foot eight. In, I think six foot seven. In the, but Don Corsgrelli himself is actually like six foot seven, six foot eight in real life. Yes. It's he's like, picking up Angus Scrim. Like a yeah, little he's, 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 he's got huge curly hair and a beard, and he's like he's like a kind of Wookiee, you, you know. He's, <laughs> <laughs> but but Don is such a lovely person, and what the thing yeah. about Don when you're with him, he's got such a great temperament, um, and he's completely unpretentious. And I think the the thing that you get in phantasm films, despite there being a lot of weirdness and strangeness, there's nothing pretentious about it, and the characters are really kind of like beautifully drawn mm. and they're very much like Don himself in many ways particularly like the character of Reggie you know the the, the guy the ice cream you know middle-aged bald ice cream guy who goes to the fires of hell itself to lay his <laughs> life down to a friend you know and there's something yeah. really beautiful there's something really beautiful about that kind of character which is you won't find that in any other kind of movie really and Reggie's also, one of the best characters ever amazing character, the Reg, ever. and the Reg, the Reg man which comes into play in Phantasm 2 where he he evolves into the action hero which is you know so, you know, in the first film, he's just an ice cream, you know, he's an ice cream slinger and he's a singer, you know, except, you know, the, the, the songs that he wrote for the for Phantasm, which he recorded live, and they're, they're all in the deleted scenes of Phantasm. All of his stuff got cut, cut out. It was only, um, <laughs> it was only Jody, uh, you know, Jody's character, Bill Formbury, who got his song in sitting here at midnight when they did the jet on the thing, which is, uh, you know, once again, another... Right. Brilliant, Played yeah. by Reggie Bannister as well, so do you recognise? Yeah, yeah, Reggie, Reggie, they're, they're jamming, they're jamming on that doorstep, and they kind of, you know, they kind of that's all played live at the time, but they just, but you know, they oh kind of did that on the day, and it's great. I mean, I love that. It's a wonderful moment. Um, so Jake, how, how did you how did you come to make the Phantasmagoria documentary? Then, obviously, it was it was involved in in the sort of additional additional scenes for the DVD release, wasn't it? Yes, um, by sheer by sheer luck. Um, because myself and Mark Morris, we'd set up Nucleus Films and we released stuff as well, uh, you know, cult films or DVD and Blu-ray. But we were doing a lot of DVD extras for other companies. One of them, which was Anchor Bay UK at the time, which was run by a brilliant guy called Mo Claridge and his wife, Liz Claridge. And they were just fantastic. Now, Mo Claridge was one of the first, he was the first UK distribu distributor, one of the first to ever to release Phantasm on video back in the day. So he licensed, he licensed Phantasm off Don, um, like personally, and he met him and he did such a good job with it in the, in the UK that him and Don became really firm friends and Phantasm was a big hit, hit for him, which made him successful in the video industry in the early days, you know. So he always felt, you know, he really, he always felt like a lot of, lot of love towards Don because Phantasm had been a success for both of them. Um, so down the line, um, we, we just happened to be in, the offices, I think we've been doing stuff maybe for the Evil Dead, the Evil Dead set at the time, um, some extras. And it just, just happened that we heard that they were doing something for Phantasm. And we were a bit late to the party on it, but literally I, I said, you know, Mark Morris, he knows it's one of my favorite films. He said to he said to, to, to Mo, oh, do you know that Phantasm's one of Jake's like favorite films of all time? And he, of course he didn't. And then he said, yeah. well, we're doing this. Do you, do you guys want to pitch something to do a doc, you know, to do a documentary? So we we pitched we pitched this idea that we would do like a an over, like a, a big piece about the whole Phantasms one to four if we could get access to the people. And because he knew Don, we ended up flying out to Los Angeles. Um, Don Don was wow. our personal Amazing. driver. <laughs> and, and Don would drive us to go and see, you know, um, uh, Reggie Bannister and Angus Scrim and Michael A. Baldwin, um, you know, all of these guys. So we got to meet all of them, you know, the, the, the lady in Lavender, uh, which is, 
Yeah. Oh, what's her name? Oh, sorry, my brain is going a bit bit fuzzy. The the, the lady who plays Lady and Dad at Lavender. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we got to meet all of my kind of phantasm heroes and interview them about some oh. of my favourite film series. So that was just, a, and this sphere here, as you know. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Cassie Lester, Jake. Yeah. Cassie Lester, Jake. Yeah. This was the limit. This is the Anchor Bay release, the limited edition set. Oh, <clears> I, I, how yeah. did I not know it was going to have DVDs in it? For yeah, some reason, I had no idea when you opened it. Then, yeah, it's, it's got yeah, it's got a brain in it, like in the film. <laughs> so yeah, so um, so it's a beautiful. It was a beautiful, beautiful bit of packaging. Yeah. One of the best I've ever seen. I mean, seen. it's lovely for perfectionists yeah. who loved who love their Blu-ray and DVD yeah. spines yeah. to line up is an absolute nightmare. But oh, yeah, yeah. as a collector, it, it did come in a, a little presentation box. But but Mo did he did this amazing low budget like he like sort of budget, um, packaging for you know like a, he won loads of awards for a lot of his packaging. Like he did the Book of the Dead. Wow. on the oh, as well, if you remember that and all sorts of fun he did all sorts of really fun stuff he's a lovely bloke so and he you know he, so he was he was really behind it and he put us in touch with don so we ended up flying out to, to la and doing that documentary so that was a rare treat as a filmmaker to, oh, to actually yeah. get to interview somebody <laughs> who's a genuine hero of yours and turns out to be like a super nice beautiful bloke you know so a gentle giant yeah so when they when he came back to the uk doing uh, it was quite a few years ago now, probably about three or four years ago. So if you remember the London, the, they did the London Film Festival, did the 4K restoration of Phantasm at the Picture oh, House wow. Central. And me and Mark were with Don at that screening and we met up beforehand and hung out with him. And it was just That's great. So cool. you know, he's such a good guy. <laughs> you do realise though that with, you know, obviously Angus Grimm, the tall man, bad. Mm -hmm. Don, the taller man, good. This implies uh, the existence of the tallest man. <laughs> I guess it's neutral. <laughs> Just true neutral. Flicks, flicks well, no, in, in real in real life, I mean Angus Scrim is an absolute sweetheart. He's such a he's such a, he, he was such a nice guy, such a gentle person. You know, his his real name is Rory Guy. By the way, just in case oh, you didn't know, Rory that. So, Guy. Rory Guy. Yeah. And Rory that's, Guy. Guess, yeah, and that, that, that's what he was credited it? in in Danny the World's Greatest, and and I think um, you know the, the Don's other film beforehand. But when he would, when Don said, "I want you to play this kind of intergalactic grave robber, the tall man," he was thinking, "My name, Rory Guy, doesn't sound like a horror. It doesn't sound like a horror guy." You know, he he thought he, he thought he needed a name that sounded more like a a kind of um, a Lugosi or something that, yeah. that sounded like a horror name. So he came up with Angus Grimm, and then that just stuck. So I mean, that's specifically his horror acting name. Well, yeah, but but then it, he used it, it stuck. But then again, most of the time he then got off, off, offered a lot of horror parts because of his success as creating a kind of iconic, you know, he, he created an iconic horror character, which is very unusual. And, you know, he, was, he wasn't a young man when he did that either. I mean, as you look through the series, he gets pretty old by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, well, he's born in 1926. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was, yeah. he was an absolute gentleman. And like, and he, he came from a different era. He was a very, you know, like a very kind of civilized and um, erudite gentleman actually um and he he loved in in once again i don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen phantasm 4 but he play he gets to play a dual role in phantasm 4 yeah cover your ears and when he plays the character of Jebediah in that he gets to play it completely oh. he completes it completely the opposite to the yeah. tall man in terms of his intent and it's a really it's, beautiful performance and you can see how it, good angus is as an actor it's an origin story for the tall man isn't it yeah because obviously for him, the tall man, in, in many ways, he found playing the tall man quite easy because he didn't have to do much for the tall man. He was always saying, you don't, I don't really have boy. to. Boy. Yeah, boy, and then just looks and you kind of. 
his strange <laughs> <laughs> like more like oh, selfie man. faces <laughs> boy <laughs> can you imagine if Angus Grimm was around in the TikTok era can you imagine what those reels would be like now I'd love um, it. but, but I'd what love do you guys it. think of the tall man because as a character he's a fascinating strange um, character right I have a really unusual I've definitely bored Ben with this before but a phantasm and then understanding who the tall man was origin story so it would have been sort of uh, 97 98 it would have been at this time so I'm a teenager and I as I was wont to do at the time I was uh, up late playing some playing some computer games I was playing some custom maps from Duke Nukem 3D uh, you know nice. you download these maps off the internet which people have made you know they look like <laughs> your school or your house or these things but as part of it whatever they had done had also imported a number of sounds that were unconnected to the sounds of the original game. Um, so I was there just casually playing away a game I used to play every evening until stupid o'clock. Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm there wandering around, got my headphones on and everything like that because it's late at night. And then a really unfamiliar sound comes booming straight into my ears, a high, louder volume than... Um, than the actual SFX of the game I was playing. And it's his line from towards the end of the original Phantasm, the tall man's line where he goes, you play a good game, boy, but the game is <laughs> over. Now you must... And I was like, holy shit me. Like, absolutely cat attack. <laughs> it was terrifying. Because, like... That's brilliant. That, that, uh, no, no, no concept of where this sound had come from. It wasn't something from the game. I didn't know what it was from a film, so I had, I'd never seen Phantasm. So I couldn't be like, oh, it's that line from the film. And terrifying. I may be overdoing it now. Maybe I'm misremembering. But I'm pretty sure I stopped playing. I was like, no, <laughs> bed, it's over. And then it took, <laughs> and then it took for a long time. Like you know, because you know, it's like back end of the '90s. There was internet, but there wasn't like I'm pretty sure those levels came from like a disc that I'd got from someone, not readily downloading stuff. So there wasn't IMDb. I couldn't find out. I couldn't type in a line from a film and see what it was. <laughs> it was only from like years and years of like asking people, do you know, is this line from a film? And like repeating it until someone goes, oh, that's from, it's probably friend of the show, my friend Danny Taylor, because he was, he's a big Phantasm fan. I think it was probably him that told me, oh, that's from Phantasm. And only from there did I get to go and watch this film. And then actually seeing the tall man from there, um, what, what like what an iconic character and one that hasn't been so overplayed as some of the others that you know I mean I'll never get enough of you know your Jasons and your Freddies and so on but he hasn't had that kind of exposure mm. and I love that there's still a you know there's only a limited amount of things that you can that you can see him in you're never going to get overdone on that yeah no definitely that's a great you just took me to you took me back to the you took me back to the nineties there, and with the with the modding of games and stuff. And I have a very similar experience to you, but it's not as cool as yours. Uh, I remember playing. Everyone here remembers Doom Two, right? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. all the mods you could do and sound effects you could add in. I know there was a Doctor Who one you could do where it was a sonic screwdriver or whatever. But <laughs> some guy, for some reason, decided to turn all the gun shot sound effects into Tim Allen's. <laughs> from home improvement <laughs> it's not as cool but just on the back of your your cool experience <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, but, you. I had a Tim Allen gun, you know, for Doom. <laughs> she had a, a tall man gun. Boy, boy. Every time. <laughs> it would never, ever get old. Uh, okay, so before we jump into talking about Phantasm uh, 2, a great length, despite the fact we've kind of done that a little bit already. Uh, let's talk a bit, just a little bit, a little bit of horror news, a couple of two little, two little bits that I've got to discuss, because both pieces of news uh, relate to Horror Hangout alumni, friends of the show, uh, and original host, Mr. Luke Condor as well, because the George A. Romero Foundation have announced a podcast called The Dead, which is set in George A. Romero's world of Night of the Living Dead and of everybody involved, writers including Hannah Schooner, Nick Harkins, Jeremy Ellett, C.K. Anderson, and Luke Condor with a K. He's going to be writing a story set in that universe which is super, super exciting for us, of course, because we know him. We could pick his brains. We could say, well, maybe he'll be the, he'll be the director for Twilight of the Dead, which we spoke about last week on the show. How exciting! I'm excited. Are you excited, Andy? Very, very. Can't, That's can't, it. Can't, I can't. I can't, <laughs> over- can't add to that. Andy, won't add to that. I like. I don't want to make it seem false by being uncharacteristically over the top about this. I'm not. Not from the United States, Ben. I've said what I mean. <laughs> I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, good game, boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tim Allen sound effect count two. Uh, Phantasm improvement. Uh, the the other piece of news is that at MCM Comic Con, uh, Janine Pipe and. Uh, Neil Marshall will be there talking about their journey from fan from well Janine's journey from fan to filmmaker and how she's collaborated with Neil on footsteps to making of dog sorry footsteps and sausages to making of dog soldiers. Um, so yeah, they're going to be at MCM Comic Con Friday the twenty seventh of October, which is super super exciting. Thought we should give that a shout out as well. Definitely, nice. definitely should. I got another couple of bits, Ben. Unless you've got any more news, that's all I've got. That's you'll all have I've to forgive, got. Jump have to on in. Give me. There's some. There's some more stuff coming up because if it's failed to escape, if it has escaped your attention, we are getting ever so close to the spooky season. Um, getting all that content that's coming out in October is starting to ramp up and come at us pretty quick. And some stuff that has completely slipped my mind or fallen below the radar. We obviously know things like the Exorcist series that we've got. Well, sorry, Exorcist sequel that we've got coming up. But um, we have another trailer for. Horror adjacent monster movie, another trailer for Godzilla minus one, which I'm incredibly excited for. I think that's close to the end of the year that we're getting that, but having really enjoyed Shin Godzilla, there's a new trailer for that. Um, Set just post World War II. It's not, so it's not a Shin Godzilla sequel, it's set in that time. So it's basically a Japan already devastated by atomic bombs. And then you think, oh, we're we're we're, 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 we're absolute zero. What's worse than zero? Take what minus one. Godzilla's going to come and fuck up the things that are already fucked. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. We have a trailer for Mike Flanagan's latest Netflix series, which obviously yep. gains a lot of traction around this time of year. Have you seen the trailer for The Fall of the House of Usher? I have, yes. Yeah. What, 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 what are you thinking? Are you yeah, for, do you enjoy the Flanagan series, Jake? I do. Yeah, I really like Mike Flanagan's stuff. I think he's, he's terrific. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And once again, it's got a great cast in there of a lot of his regulars that he uses. A bit like Don Coscarelli, but, you know, he, he likes having an ensemble of people that he goes back to. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it looks terrific. So I'm excited by that, for sure. I'm really enjoying, like, I'm really getting into the fact, like, 
I, I didn't know that that's what he was doing when he went on to the second series. So, you know, so from Hill House onto the one I'm now blanking Blind. on. Yeah, that's it, Blind Manor. Um, but now that's well established. I love kind of watching out for who is going to be what. And oh, this person hasn't turned up in the trailers yet. Who are they? Who is his wife going to be? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really looking for, I think just from the trailer alone. I don't need to see any more trailers at this point. I'm I'm done. I'm yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it, now I just want to see it. Um, but I yeah. think because it's a, it looks like it's a really big story, what's good about that trailer is, is you can't really connect the dots. Like yeah. often with, with a lot of trailers, particularly with feature films, they do tend to put a lot of the really great stuff in the trailer and it sort of ruins the surprise for the film. You, you kind of over, they tend to over trail key points, I think sometimes. Yeah. But, but then when you've got 10, 12 hours yeah, of content exactly. rather yeah, you've than got a lot 90 more minutes. Time. So yeah. you can play around with the images a lot more without giving away. Besides, you know, I don't really understand what the plot is from that trailer, so that's good as well. And I don't, you know, obviously it's a reimagining of the House of Usher story. So, but it looks like it's being done in a more modern way than I've ever seen it done yeah. as well. Yeah, I'm really excited for this, and I have like high hopes. I think I didn't quite finish the Midnight Club because I know just before I'd seen it, I knew the second series had always been already been cancelled thanks Netflix, but. Um, but yeah, I was a big fan of like Midnight Mass, really loved um, Hill House. Blind Manor, I know that was a very different thing. If you don't think of it as a straight horror, more of like a gothic romance, still really effective. So I'm really, really excited for this. Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, Midnight Mass was skewing towards more the kind of young adult audience as well, to be honest. Um, so it was based on, I think, a series of books. So it felt like it was skewing a bit younger. So for me... I don't, it wasn't quite so much my bag, but definitely yeah, Haunting Hill House is the best yeah. so far. Really, I still really get a good. lot of uh, Salem's Lot vibes from Midnight Mass. I'm still trying to get my oh, nan yeah, to definitely. watch it so, under not... the pretense that it's about church. But uh, <laughs> it hasn't happened nan, It's yet. about church. You like that? This is a you, great you love church Midnight series. Mass. You're a big fan she of loves... the Lord, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Lord, yeah. <laughs> Who's Arnold? <He's> <laughs> Is, is um, that it for, that it for news? I got, I got two more for you, Ben. One, the good folks at Disney Plus, not to be outdone by Netflix, only crept another Goosebumps series out in October. Oh my god! It looks like. Oh wait, I saw like a poster for this. Justin, Justin Long. Yeah, Justin Long recognised him under those glasses. Yeah. Um, and he's been doing well. Justin Long's always had like a hand in horror, but he seems to be skewing more and more towards that as his career has gone mm. on, right? Becoming almost a horror exclusive, and he's been in a lot over the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, I you know, Jake's talking about things skewing younger. I don't know anymore what age Goosebumps is going to be geared towards. I've not seen a trailer yet. Is it going to be geared at young adult stuff now, or is it going to be uh, people who watched Goosebumps 20 years ago that they are that they're has anybody ever gone back to Goosebumps? I did. I I mean, I used to love the books, and I think that was. One of the things, other than Doctor Who Target novels, I think Goosebumps books were the ones that, because they were they were for kids. And I remember Say Cheese and Die, and um, um, yeah, there, there was a lot. There was what was the one with the ooze or whatever. I had, I had like oh, one of the volumes, like, and is that Monster Blood or is it Monster like, Blood or something like that? that? And purple the, the peanut butter or something like that's madness. Yeah, but the, of course they had the, the the TV show, so you'd read the books in school. Mm. And then you'd, you'd be trading them at every uh, school fate and you'd be looking for all the goosebumps going, oh, have I got that one? Have I got that one? And um, I think they released like a Goosebumps 2000 range. So I, I was yeah, a I massive that. nerd into that. And I think they hit at the right time. And then the, the kids, I mean, 
I, I did go back because there were a certain episodes I wanted to check out, like Say Cheese and Die for me terrified me as a kid. And um, what was the one with the, the, gnomes? the haunted mask for me? That was the oh, one the where she mask, becomes yeah. a monster. Yeah, yeah, I remember that terrifying. one. And um, it's got like young, is it Ryan Gosling that's in? Ryan Gosling is in Say Cheese and Die. Uh, surprisingly, he's like 12 or something like that, but they still freaked you, freaked me out as a kid. They, 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 I remember Fox Kids used to show Goosebumps and Eerie Indiana back to back. I don't know if you remember Indiana. Eerie Indiana, big yeah. fan, classic 80s show. That was like, I feel like that was for the time it was and the age I was that coming up. Eerie Indiana was like my entry drug to the X Files coming out just as I. It's <laughs> your gateway drug to the X Files. <laughs> just finished. Eerie Indiana just, you know, petered off on the telly. And then it was like, oh, there's this new thing. It's called the X Files. You like this, right? Oh. Try some just recently stronger. celebrated 30th anniversary as well, X Files, which is oh, absolutely wow. mad. We should probably do some sort of episode about our favourite X-Files episodes uh, as well, shouldn't we, Andy? Should, uh, should. I'm, I'm about to what... get back because it's all available on it's all Disney available. Plus now. Well, Disney saying. Plus, yeah. You can watch them all on Disney Plus. Yeah. All you need, is, the, all you need is the num- right number of hours in the day to be able to get through all this endless content. <laughs> what was the last piece of news you had? Uh, last thing I had, just a bit of uh, local horror news, Ben, coming up to... Local um, horror news? Local, local, local horror news to me up north here. Um, the good folks at the DCA in Dundee have announced their lineup for um, Dundead in October. So some classics coming up there. Um, well, I'll give you the link. You can set, share it in the show notes. Some of the things that you would have been able to catch had you been lucky enough to be in London for Fright Fest. They're doing the screening of the unseen version of the exorcist but they've also got some independent films coming out they're doing a screening of battle royale which you know thriller um action dystopia less direct horror but still one of my absolute favorites they've got some good screenings on so if you are up on the correct coast of scotland and you want to come and join us for some of that i might try and be down there myself see if john crennan's around see if we can catch a few of those live and talk talk of the film festivals uh you're going on tour as well aren't you jake Yes, Mancunia yeah, yeah. Man is officially going on tour. It's officially doing on tour. Yeah, the the festival, um, prep, the world premiere kicked off at Fright Fest, which you guys were at, which was amazing. Yeah, Empire Leicester Square, and um, that was the start of the festival run. So next week I'm off to on Thursday I'm off to Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. So we're going to be playing at the the brilliant Alamo Drafthouse Cinema, which oh, is fantastic. Wow. You know, wow. I, I don't know if you guys have ever been to an Alamo Drafthouse Cinema, but. No. The way the cinema is kind of set up, it's got like um, rows, and in front of you, you've got like a, like a, like a, a, not not a desk, but a bit like in a lecture hall. But so you could, but it's all tiered very high, so you can order drinks and food, and they they'll bring it into you, but they don't don't walk in front of anyone's face, but they they can set it in front of you, so you've got like a kind of table there. Wow. So halfway through the film, you know, you can order yourself a beer and stuff. It's, Brilliant. Um, <laughs> so, Anyone yeah. from Cine World or View or Odeon, please take note because that sounds brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the way that the whole cinema set, it's just set up in a completely different way. But it's a real experience if you haven't haven't done anything like that before. And then after after um, Fantastic Fest, I'm off to um, Beyond Fest, which is in Los Angeles, and it's playing at the Lost Feelers right. Free. And that is another amazing festival. It's got some fantastic stuff on if you go on the website that's that's over about two weeks um and we're playing there 
And then when I come back from there, we're heading to some other festivals, but they haven't announced. I told you earlier that some of them, but they actually haven't announced their official lineups yet. So I can't, ah. I can't officially tell you. Actually, I think I've... no, no, Sitges have. Sit. I'm going to be going to Sitges in Spain. They have announced theirs. It's going to be playing on the 12th of October in Sitges in Spain. Amazing. So if you're in Spain, get I, I mean, I pretty, I asked you this at Fright Fest, but what would Cliff Twemlow think of all this stuff? His face on the Alamo Draft House and being played at all these festivals as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think him sort of playing at the like the IMAX, the Empire Square, which is one of the biggest screens yeah. in the entire world. Uh, I think he would probably burst into laughter and probably think, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like 40, you know, sort of 30 years after I've died. <laughs> yeah, where, yeah, yeah. You know, this, these film shot video finally got, got down to all these cinemas. <laughs> so if you see the Twemlow story, he's one of those characters where I think he would enjoy the kind of delicious irony of, of that because he was a sort of DIY filmmaker making stuff with his mates in Manchester. You, you would never have thought it would have gone this far, but his character he was always shooting for the moon i mean he, he kind of missed spectacularly but he he was always kind of going for that and so i think he would be yeah really really pleased <laughs> this is why i really love really what shit. you did with the with the documentary and so on like i can tell when i've really enjoyed any type of documentary about a filmmaker or a conversation with someone because my letterbox watch list just grows and grows <laughs> exponentially so just seeing some of these things things that i'd never encountered before from you know, from that from that career that he had, you know, yeah, like, say, the building, the never, like, got, never got released properly. So <laughs> that's, that's why you can find so some of these are going to become like <laughs> rare things. I will finish everything on a streaming service, and then it will be right. This is down me at like car boots, and you know, <laughs> yeah. going through like I've become one of those people that go to those like container auctions to get like these hidden reels. <laughs> yeah. Love well, well, you know, with, 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 with the internet, I mean, it's kind of like everything is kind of available instantly now. Apart from Cliff Twemlow films, if you if you like the quest of the 1980s, like going around video shops and scouring places to try and find stuff and sending off tapes to people and getting them to record things for you and send them back, trying to watch Cliff Twemlow films is still a bit like that. They're really difficult to find. Obviously, that is going to be remedied soon because Severin is going to be doing a special set, details of which oh, I can't wow. tell you everything yet. Wow, okay. they, that will be announced fairly soon, exactly what's going to be on that. So the, the wait for a lot of people will be, be over and you'll finally be able to, to see a lot of those films. So, um, yeah, that's that's going to be an amazing thing. But I feel like yeah. already our show notes are probably going to get the most action they've seen in a long time because people are going to want to get you on the socials, uh, Jake, yeah. and also look out for all these things wherever you are in the world. I'm sure might have one or two American listeners that don't find us incomprehensible and don't understand a word we're saying. If you if you are an American and or just happen to live in America, do check out these festivals if you're able to attend. Oh yeah, well do you do you, do you have a big do you have a big international audience? Do you have yeah, yeah. people in the states watching this? Do we've you know? got we've got I think the I don't want to say the majority of people who listen to us in America, but I think it's a big percentage. Hey, well, 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 then in that case, you know, if anyone is in Austin, on my, my film is playing. You know, next, um, I think it's on the, what day is it playing? Is it on the 20, 25th? I think 24th. I think it's on the 24th it's playing in the evening. Uh, it's playing again in a couple of mornings after that, but and then it's playing at the at the Beyond Fest in Los Angeles on the 29th. So if you're in Austin or LA, yeah, yeah. down there. But also, if you're just a horror film fan, I mean, those festivals are amazing. If you if you go online oh, yeah. and check out their programs, they're incredible. Talking of, of Mike Flanagan, for instance, at Austin, they're playing episodes one and two ahead of their, their broadcast. So, are they? 
So I'm very tempted to see if I can get a ticket to go and go and watch those and just yeah. to see them on the big screen, which would be amazing. So there's all sorts of, but sometimes, you know, people like Mike Flanagan might even pop up there. He might be there. So I'm kind of quite excited. You never know who you're going to bump into in those, in the American ones. I mean, now we've done, yeah. now we've done Fright Fest and I'm never going to be given up on that. You'll see me there year on year, guaranteed, unless they ban me for, you know, crimes. But um, generic crimes, just yeah, crimes, yeah, generic, generic, yes, crimes. generic crimes. Yeah. I've been mean, watching loads yeah. of romantic comedies. Well, I, was <laughs> worried I, I was a little bit worried because as we walked past one of the, the you guys were in London, it was quite a hot spot for people doing some preaching just outside the cinema. And um, as, we past, as we walked past one of the preachers, he said, Don't don't go imagining the Lord as really small. And I never have imagined the Lord as like a little diminutive <laughs> creature it's until he said man. that. And then I did. The second he did that. Uh, Is he yeah. one of the dwarves from Phantasm? He, yeah. put that thought, he put that thought into your mind that he could he's, be small. Yeah, He's like, done that. So... He could be a Phantasm dwarf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if the Lord's out the cupboard, which allegedly <laughs> he can do, doesn't even need a subscription. He could be listening anyway. Now he knows I've been thinking in a way about him in a way that I was specifically told not. You might ban me from Fright Fest unless that's that happens. Well, you're banned there. from heaven, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure, absolutely. You'd be, you'd be a terrible Ghostbuster. What just popped into your head? And then <laughs> yeah. tiny Jesus comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, it kind of you know when you see that kind of hellfire of preaching going on, it does sort of make you want to quote the tall man back at him. You, know? oh, yeah. <laughs> you think you when you die you go to heaven. You come to us. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, maybe it this was is a, a moment plan for next I, year. We I... could turn them against each other. Fight. Uh, there, there was <laughs> a moment where someone did hand me a, a flyer, so I handed them a paradolia leaflet in return. <laughs> Fair trade. Like, yeah, Fair just trade. exchange them. Yeah, yeah. Come see and my film. I'll go see your lawyer. <laughs> and and Aaron paradolia, you've got a screen. Is it on the sixteenth of October? Is that right? Sixteenth of October. Yeah. Um, uh, we've been banned from Sitches and Fantastic. Fa- no, I'm joking. Um, we're doing the cast and crew screening in uh, the Phoenix Arts Club, which is being hosted by um, uh, Stuart of Misty Moon. Uh, we're going to have Diane Franklin there. The whole cast are going to be there. It's going to be autograph signing, um, performance of the actual soundtrack by the band Infraviolet as well, which is oh, wow. great. Um, and then we're going to be opening up the um, Fantastic Films um, sorry, Festival of Fantastic Films in Manchester. And then we're going to be doing Dark Side later in the year as well, uh, which we're really excited for. Uh, and we have a few more lined up as well, but we, we were not able to confirm just yet. Oh, and we're also doing um, the Ealing Film Festival, which is where I went to university. So we're kind of oh, wow. going back to my roots, as it were. So that's going to Homecoming. be a nice thing. Yeah, Some it's of the old actors will see you and be like, "Boy!" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll be uh, being chased by uh, spheres all through Ealing and Acton, uh, which I can't wait for. British That's why I left got Ealing. The budget for spheres these days. <laughs> There's always budget for spheres. There is. <laughs> That's protected. Just use the it's DVD, like DVD box set um, <laughs> on a bit of fishing wire. That's all we need. Uh, yeah. So that point, when I'm not banned from any festivals, we're not banned from for any reasons, Lord-based or otherwise. After having that taste of doing a lot of live broadcasting at Brightfest, I want to go to as many as we can, Ben. Like international, I'd go to Texas. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, you 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 guys will love the, the, you know, going to some of these different festivals. And oh, because yeah. each, different festivals have different style of audience as well. 
So, you know, the American audience is a bit more vocal than the British audience. So if they get into a film, they get really into it. So, you know, um, <laughs> some cross cover. Shh, can I watch the film? <laughs> <laughs> no, but if, you're, if you're seeing a really fun film, say something like Phantasm 2, and, you know, you've got Reggie Bannister saying, we're going to go and kick some ass, the audience will cheer in the States, you know. That would be the difference. In the UK, they would be... Imagine it's, sort of it's like the opening of um, uh, Scream 2 when they go see Stab and the whole audience oh, yeah. is just erupting no. all over I'd, the place. I'd walk straight out. I'd walk in, I'd go, <laughs> not for me. No, I would have to <laughs> watch the early, early morning screen, uh, screen. British for me. I can't have this sort of bed again. What? Pip Cheerio? I'd love to find out the director's cut of, uh, of Scream 2 that that initial murder of Jada Pinkett Smith was just one British person who's unconnected to the rest of the murders. You're just so wound up <laughs> from being at that screen. He was just incredibly frustrated. And then when he when he heard that guy listening, her boyfriend listening at the wall, he just can't even get a minute's piece in the toilet. All I ever someone. remember is the scary movie bit of that where someone. Yeah, I always get that mixed up with the glory hole and <laughs> stuff. <laughs> the the penis goes in his ear. Glory hole. Get out myself. Oh, all I remember uh, is that that's every film though. All I remember is that glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so i guess we That's should quickly news, do, let's quickly yeah. do what we've been watching uh i've only got a couple of things but i think i've got one thing that maybe jake and aaron have seen as well uh one miss call is that right oh yeah jake and i watched one miss call the other day yeah to cash it's not recent it's about 2003 isn't it uh, no no recently we watched it oh, jake. we recently watched it yes yeah, yeah remember yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we recently we, we recently saw talk talk to me, which I think is my favourite thing that I've seen recently. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, we yeah. Talk that. to me was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, one missed call. I I think it. Looking back at it, it's it's got an interesting idea, but it doesn't quite. It didn't quite work for me watching it again. Yeah. It's very confusing. Am I misremembering? Is one missed call? It is an Asian film first, right? Then yes. yeah, an there's an Asian film. Remake. Then there, there was American remake in like two thousand eight. I've only seen the Takashi Miki Miki one. Yeah, me too. Which I think, which it was a little bit of, is a little bit different because obviously Takashi Miki, he'd never really made anything that you would consider in that sort of spooky J horror. Oh, there you go. There There we we go. go. That is the wow. Yeah, because me and Aaron actually watched this the other week, so we were doing a little curse film. Yeah, (laughs) film sort of. I mean, it's uh, it's sorry. I just got to jump in here for the people listening on Spotify. Audio description: Jake holds up a uh, clamshell (laughs) of Japanese one missed call. This Ooh. is like the episode with uh, Kev um, as well. Every film we mention, yeah. you've got a copy, a copy of him. it. <laughs> he has a copy at <laughs> in arm's reach. Well, like you say that, and um, I could have Jake's bought more. Got got, I could have bought all sorts of fantastic bits if I'd if I'd thought about that beforehand. But well, Jake's actually I'll got the novel of um, the novelization of Phantasm as I've well, got the which he showed me. Very rare. Which was wow. written, which was done by his mother, who, but um, Don's Don's mother was a novelist. This sounds Kate, brilliant. Kate's Corsarelli, and she did an organisation of it, and it's got some stuff in it that's not in the film. It's great. It's very rare that I come away with a reading list from one of our episodes. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, when, you, when you're chatting about the novel else, of your horror film, I can get it and show it to you. It's, 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 it's a, in a dinky format as well. It's very nice. Yeah, I'd love to see that. But it's so strange, though. Imagine like making a really cool... It's like my mum doing the novel of Paradolia or something and adding bits in and go, what have you done here, mum? I'll... Don't worry, they're gonna love it. Don't worry, they're gonna. Well, the apology needed it. fleshing out a bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, what? I, I don't know if it's so much she added bits in, but there's bits in there which obviously this is it's different. It's, it's just differently formatted to the scripts. But I think there's some stuff uh, in the yeah. script which obviously never made it through to the final edit. 
but so it's just a really it's really fascinating just to to read it from the perspective as a, I love that it's a family yeah. affair though because the yeah. his, his yeah. dad produced it and his mum did the novelization yeah, yeah, his and, dad was the and she did the costumes as well right so yeah she did costumes she did makeup she, she made she, Angus mean, Scrimm's massive thing, suit yeah. sorry did she make the tall man's massive suit she did make the suits as well yes yeah, she tailored think what that inside inside leg was jesus yeah yeah, yeah, she was uh, <laughs> she she was a multi talented lady herself. I mean, he, Don was very lucky that he came from a family who incredibly supportive of him as a filmmaker. And yeah. you know, I was going to say, and, and you know, Don, like I say, because he was so tall, you, you, people I think thought he was older. But he had a big beard, but he was like I say, he was a teenager when he made. <laughs> it already made two. It already made two films before Fantastic. <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, God, you made two films. God, you've been around the block a bit, haven't you? Yeah, you must have had a, you must have had a tough paper round. Eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> People, other other filmmakers assuming that he is just three small boys in a suit in like a big, <laughs> a big long coat. There was always um, that guy the in Cascarellis. There was always that guy in school who had a beard, inexplicably had a full beard. Who was that guy? <laughs> like it was um, it was it for cans, really? cans. Um, so with with this as well. Now I'm just imagining that his mom was the novelization, doing loads of mom inserts into it, and as he's reading the novelization back of his film. Why is the tall man sitting Reggie down and asking when he's going to settle down and bring him some grandchildren? Are you sure this is worth? It's what a character would want, Don. I'm not a character better than you. <laughs> to be fair, I do think she stayed true to the, the spirit of how it is very much. <laughs> but, but yeah, but funnily enough, she was actually a successful novelist herself and she did write more kind of romantic style books just as a, as a sort of segue for maybe... Aaron's, Aaron's girlfriend, who doesn't like horror films and won't watch fantasy, she might she might become a Kate Coscarelli fan if she starts reading her literature. I really think you're trying too hard there, Jake. I don't think anything is going to convince Alice to to get into horror at all. No, no, I'm saying, but she could read Kate Coscarelli's books, which are oh like, right. That's what you're, you're trying to do the gateway drug thing, like yeah, oh, I yeah. like this. Oh, yeah. so she, she, she can start, and then she'll get tempted to try phantasm. I really don't think she will. Will. Jake's quest to convert my girlfriend into horror. It's quite funny. It's, it's never going to happen. I've tried. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm managed, I managed to do that with a couple of girlfriends who said they hated horror beforehand. And I managed to I managed to kind of drip feed them the right things. And in the end, it wasn't that they didn't like horror. It's just that they had never watched horror films. And then they didn't really appreciate it. Never watched the right horror film. Not the right one. Never watched exactly. the right horror film. Yeah, but also, they do, but the genres are very wide. It's a very wide genre. There's so many different yeah, types. You know, there's a lot of people who think of horror as just one thing that they don't like, like maybe a kind of like kind of extreme kind of like torture porn or something like that. Um, but mm. if you watch a film like Phantasm, it's charming and it's fun and it's about these two brothers and it's got a lot of heart. So it's a completely different type of storyline, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Jake's um, case for it. Uh, it's actually a story about two brothers, and I'm just remembering the door slam with the fingers and the, <laughs> the opening the box and yeah. all this. Yeah, but come on, the scene. Sorry, we're in Phantasm One again, but the scene with the insect and the, the, the big fly thing. It's one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, down the stairs. Yeah, um, yeah Phantasm Two. You could argue is a safety film. It's about making sure that you're that you leave that you check that the gas is off. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah just to avoid your house exploding in the biggest explosion of all time <laughs> <Don't make laughs> <you tell me. laughs> 
<laughs> just quickly bend down and blow the pilot light out so you can explode your house. <laughs> okay, another little bit of interesting Phantasm 2 trivia. Phantasm 2 trivia, trivia moment. As you know, there's anyone who's watched it knows there's some some monumentally big explosions in that film. But the, when his when his house was blown up, that was a house that they bought for like a it was it was on a redevelopment near a freeway and it was going to be demolished so they bought this house for ah. something like a dollar or something and then they built a second it was, just, it, it was yeah it was just, it was literally just a it was just a single floor bungalow but they built the second floor on it so they made it constructed it and then they blew it up <laughs> in, a, in what is a phenomenal piece of explosive work actually yeah. it's one of the best house blow-ups i've ever seen in a film <laughs> and there's two you know you get two you get reg's house and the other house and then you get the car but that second house with the with the, the two-story one they built that extra, that extra that's where the budget went explosions budget if they got the house for a dollar though i mean it didn't cost that much no, um, sorry, I'm st- <laughs> so one missed call. I thought it was pretty creepy. I like the technology based, <laughs> I like the technology based scares. I don't really understand the ending though. You said that, Aaron. What's going on with the ending? I think uh, I really so. Jake and I watched it, and you know, it sort of progressively got a little more complicated, and the, the, the rules of the curse got complicated. We found, yeah. and then by the end of it, I think he's she's become the, the girl, and he wakes up in a hospital bed and she puts a sweet in his mouth and we all have different skies. And then Jake and I just looked at yeah. each other and went, what the fuck did we just watch? Quite, like had quite good effects though. I think for like a scary ghosty thing, it was there were really some... good moments well, yeah, I mean, in it that I, yeah. that I yeah, really, really enjoyed. Yeah. There's some amazing mm. sequences and bits, but the actual story is really hard to understand watching it again. Yeah, because yeah, it, it sort of starts off as a curse film with this thing about, you know, messages from the future but then it kind of seems to ignore that and turns into something else. You know? Then it then it goes into like a, a sort of TV show type thing about yeah. the curse, and then it kind of forgets all of that as well. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, yeah um, there, there was no repercussions from that. I know we're not talking about one missed call for this podcast, but I, I, I personally wasn't sure if it was a cultural thing, if we didn't understand, like, are we not meant to, but someone Japanese or whatever who was into this kind of thing, if this is the kind of storytelling they would do across... You know various mediums or whatever is it just something that we're not accustomed to but then not i just attuned to yeah but and i and I, I thought of a lot of other j-horror stuff and i just thought well mm, i'm, I'm not a relationship with sure. like spirits and ghosts and and things like that the culture yeah, sorry you said that makes sense as soon as you're talking about the rules and everything like that and obviously the concept of one miscalled imagine the idea of you be cursed by missing a phone call today i've sat and watched my phone miss a call <laughs> um but um now I've just gone on to a tangent and then if I was quiet for a moment there, Ben, it's because I was imagining if you could have a curse movie set in the era of phone hacking where a tabloid editor phone hacks someone and they get the curse passed on to them instead. And that's a way to do it. I mean, I would pay money to watch Piers Morgan get Jay Horrid. <laughs> get Jay Horrid. He's only got a bit Jay Horrid again. Yeah, it's been Jay Horrid. Basically, you. someone's come out of one of your electronic devices and made you go wibbly wobbly to death. <laughs> You've heard That's it here first from Andy's mouth. You've been Jay Horrid. You've been Jay Horrid. You've only got Jay Horrid. A lot of girls come out of one piece of technology that you own. Might be your phone, <laughs> might be a tablet. Might be coming at your toaster, your oven, everywhere. Long haired girls everywhere. <laughs> and, she starts coming you... out your toaster, you just put it back down. <laughs> <laughs> but then five more minutes. Uno card. 
Jay Horrid. <laughs> Jay Horrid. And, Andy, have you got any anything on what you've been watching? Just been um, holidaying, well, haven't you? On, on the other days, so I only had chance. I did my double bill of Phantasm 1 and 2 and inspired a little bit by films such as Paradolia, I've been digging into a few um, horror shorts because, you know, that's easy to catch up on. I watched 2008's Bedfellows, just a short horror film. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. it won a few awards at the time. It's just about a woman who receives, she doesn't miss the call, she answers it. She receives a call in the night and has to reach over her sleeping boyfriend uh, to oh, I've, I've receive seen this the call. One, yeah. And then it's him on the phone saying, oh, bloody hell, I nipped out for a walk and I'm locked out. Couldn't come and let us in, could you? And then <laughs> obviously the, the, the figure in bed with her is not Wait, her who's in bed with her then? Oh, it's a scary man. Be careful. Uh, yeah, the um, payoff in that is actually, it still gives me goosebumps when I see the yeah, ending of that film. He's got, the 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 figure in the bed has got like, um, if you've seen American Werewolf in London, you know, the time yes. he turns into him in the bed and he does the yeah. big eyes. Not the bit where the, where his family gets horrifically murdered by Nazis. The other no, 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 horrifying the woods, bit of that film. In the, in the bed. When he, pulls, when he pulls his big wolfy face, um, there's that one. And then I started, um, not the full series, but the shorts that would go on to become a full series of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, um, which is good. Oh, I've not I'm seen gonna, that. I'm gonna, they're all on YouTube. Um, so the shorts that would become the series of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, which is like very sort of Sesame Street, joyous little puppets doing songs that uh, as it yeah, goes on sort of devolves into horrendous bloody body horror. And, and it, it's it's like nightmarish visuals. Um, I'll have to check this and out. The, fir- the first one is a little sort of felt flip book singing a song about creativity that then just becomes these puppets smeared in gore by the end uh, <laughs> and, and now has given me my new catchphrase green is not a creative color um but yeah there we go it's worth, worth watching all on youtube just to add to your long. list andy if you're still into your horror shorts uh, there's a couple that i want to recommend to you just, on, i I'll would love to hear down. what you um so there's one that i've shown jake which i absolutely love it's called the 10 steps and it's an irish short film um about a young girl who has to fix the circuit breaker in her house when the lights go off but it's in the basement and there's been ghost stories about what happened in the basement many years ago and the whole film is just about her going down the stairs with her dad you know sort of reassuring her at a company luncheon or whatever and it's absolutely fantastic i remember watching it on on, I think it was BBC Two at like three in the morning once when I was ill at school, and it was just they were just showing horror shorts, and I I couldn't go back to bed. I had tonsillitis at the time, but I certainly wasn't going to go back to bed after watching that one. That one's on YouTube. That sounds great. And the other one, which um was in was actually used for as inspiration for Paradolia, was Portrait of God, and that's a fantastic short. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about that one at, at all, but there was we were inspired by that one. Oh, I'm going to check both this out, possibly before bed tonight, even. Who Please knows? do. Uh, and I want to hear the next podcast, your thoughts on those My two thoughts films. on those ones. Just confirm one thing for me there, Aaron, because I'm already in trouble for this. In the portrait of God, no one has imagined him as a small little creature, have they? Because <laughs> uh, that's forbidden, unfortunately. I'm already <laughs> right, yeah, it starts with a guy handing <laughs> out flyers and talking about how, you know, don't... Pe- and then... Some guy from some podcast walks <laughs> along and pictures it, and then all shit breaks Cursed. loose. Classic. Cursed. I'll have to draw. I'll have to, I'll have to draw. <laughs> I've been. I've been jihad. God horrid. Talking of Talking of God horror, I did also watch the Nun two. 
Oh, uh, oh okay. Classic God I mean, horror. What's the Classic what's the verdict? The verdict is it's definitely a more well-rounded experience than the original, which I thought was I just really didn't enjoy it, especially as like an origin film. Uh, it's got a couple <laughs> of really good. Definitely a nun. It was. Yeah. There was definitely a Do you have a, a proper origin on. for Bad Nun Balak now, or is it Not still? Really. Just, I think the origin. Was... I think the origin is there's a demon that just uh, turned up at a monastery and decided to look like a nun to blend in. I guess that's it. <laughs> That's it. There's oh, a couple I'm never of good, gonna like, fit in here as a demon and a, nun- a nunnery. <laughs> They're never gonna accept me. I know. I just don't think. It, I still don't think it makes Sister the most. Act prequel. What is what is a very like a, a very scary looking and like main antagonist. I just don't think it still makes the most of it. It's still just she pops up now and again, but most of the time as other things. So I don't know. It's all right. I would give it. Um, so it's directed by Michael Chavez, who I think did The Conjuring, The Devil That Made Me Do It. So it definitely feels like part of that Conjuring universe, whereas the original one I'd feel like felt like just a period piece separate to it. Um, worth a watch if you enjoy. Do you get any of the Warrens in it, just having their normal lives at home? Of course you bloody do. Oh, you get like, of course you get like a. Uh, sorry, it's a bit bit of a spoiler, but of course there's an end credit sequence where I don't know someone just answers the phone just and goes. The Warrens what? get a phone call. Making yeah. sure they don't get J-Horror not missing calls. Thank goodness. <laughs> Hello. How big is God? Should we? He's massive, we... all right? Thanks. <laughs> He's the biggest bloke I've ever seen. He's six is foot he... four or seven. Is he that bigger than the man? <laughs> is he taller than the taller man? <laughs> he, he is, is the, the tallest taller man. man. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You've okay. redeemed yourself. You're going to heaven oh. now. Thank goodness. Shall we? Uh, are we shall we talk about Phantasm Two? We haven't mentioned it yet. We should. Uh, so, so Phantasm Two, which is a 1988 American science fan, science fiction fantasy action horror film. Wow. Uh, the sequel to Phantasm, written and directed by Don uh, Coscarelli, stars Angus Scrim, uh, James Legro. Is that you say his name? Reggie right. Bannister. Uh, yeah. So the film. Uh, Mike, now released from a psychiatric hospital, meets with Reggie, discovers his dreams. The events of the original film are real, and they both journey to find and stop the evil tall man from his grim work. His Angus grim work. Um, it's got 6.4 on IMDb, on Rotten Tomatoes, 38% critic score, 57% audience score, 3.2 on Letterboxd, and here are some choice reviews. Julie Norwood says, an amazing sequel complete with all the bells and whistles, bigger and better than the original in every way imaginable. Five stars. Look at that. Uh, Jason Alley says, an incredibly ambitious, major studio funded sequel to the awesomely weird original. Three and a half stars. Someone whose uh, username is just Feck says, the one one with the most explosions, some new chump playing Mike and Reggie as a chainsaw wielding Bruce Campbell-esque action hunk four stars and finally Keith says Reggie is way too horny for this movie four stars <laughs> yeah. he's only That's the, the second horniest person in it he gets he does get pretty much dry humped right someone's got pants yeah. on when well, yeah, he, yeah, he gets head humped it's the phantasm film where he does get a little bit of action unlike the others <laughs> where, where he's desperate, in desperate pursuits <laughs> maybe put that in his contract uh, it, it, but yeah when has got one of the funniest sex scenes in any film in it that though. Yeah. And one of the funniest chainsaw battles of any yes, film as well. Yeah, that another, you know, mine's bigger than yours moment. <laughs> yeah. Years that. later, Resident Evil 7 would go on to pinch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was watching, that, yeah. Chainsaw 
fight. Uh, okay, so it's obviously Angus Scrim as the tall man. James Legros, Mike Pearson. Um, the younger version of Mike does appear for like what the opening scene. Although one bit is like from the original, isn't it? And then it kind of like takes him immediately yeah. takes over from then the Mike end of that film. Then Mike fades out and gets more pronounced thing. cheekbones. Yeah, yeah, that time the psychiatric ward's done wonders for him. Yeah, but basically, <laughs> the, the reason that James the Grow is in that film is because the studio wouldn't allow him to have Michael A. Baldwin and Reggie Bannister together. They said you've got to have a like a younger, hotter actor. But they were so the pressure was more on the the Mike character than the Reggie character. But he had to pick kind of one, and he felt terrible about it. So, oh, wow. um, but in a very interesting piece of kind of trivia casting. Um, uh, a certain Brad Pitt lost the role to Jane Legros. Yeah, I did hear about yeah. this. Yeah, so Brad Pitt did a he did an audition for it. He did a tape for it, which I've I've asked Don. He he he's he's got it somewhere, but he couldn't find it when we were doing it. So I'd love to see it. But oh, um, shit. Yeah, there's a young Brad Pitt, <laughs> and he he didn't get the role. He he you know he got turned down for Jane Legros. I don't think you're good great. looking enough, mate. James Legros just walked in. He's absolutely yeah, he's stunning. fucking banging, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <it's good. laughs> He's I don't know. You put Brad stuck. Pitt up against Reggie Bannister, and it's it's like, oh, it's like it's too hot. This movie's too hot. All of a sudden, yeah. But um, but Grim said, you know, that he always thought that you could, you know, if if any actor ever felt like they were being a bit, a little bit hard done by, I've been passed over. He said, well, you know, I got cast in in Phantasm, and Brad Pitt didn't. So <laughs> he kind of like he could see that as a positive. So yeah. So once again, that was that studio control thing though that Don had to put up with. He couldn't. He he wanted to use. Michael A. Baldwin to carry on the character from the first film, um, but instead you ended up with a completely different looking Mike with a very different kind of vibe to him, you know. Um, yeah, and that's so why it's supposed you don't... to be seven years later when like the the main sort of part of the film kicks off. And there's it? a gap between these films, right? So released is that is it nine? It years actually nine, yeah, it was actually nine years later in reality because they shot the original one in about you know they started in about 1977 or 78 and. You know, when they were shooting Phantasm 2, it was about nine years on or when it got released, so it's something like that. Mm. So it's a big gap between the two films, you know. Um, but you kind of knew that it wasn't the same bloke. It wasn't the same Michael. <laughs> and and I do think that the, the connection between the two guys isn't as good as it was, you know. But then again, you haven't got the Jodie character in it, the brother character in Phantasm 2. You know, it's like that third part. And then I guess that's where we, where we pick up the film, right? Because the first five minutes or so of this film is kind of giving us a new context on the end of the first one. So the first Phantasm, spoilers for both of these films, I guess, as we're about to talk them, but also spoilers for the past episode of Horror Hangout where they covered it. <laughs> the original Phantasm kind of ends with a, well, I guess the end of Nightmare on Elm Street is very Phantasm because the Phantasm is an older movie, like yeah. uh, with... Basically, Stripped things off. being repositioned as a as a dream, things that have happened because we see as the course of Phantasm One, we see Reggie die, stabbed by the lady in lavender who was the tall man all along. He had a big stabby knife who get gets him, and then we the the events are resolved. Uh, we wake up, and then Reggie is the one that has survived. He's talking about how he's had some nightmares. And then, yeah, uh, our hero is slurped off out a window by the tallman. Um, and then this is retconned in the opening we have here. We kind of go back to that scene, sort of narrated by another character who's sort of um, going through the course of events and how they're connected. 
and then we see that bit where they're being attacked replayed with some additional context, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, you've, I mean you... you've also got the same with the psychiatrist as well, where you've got the, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the Mike yeah. character, James the Gross, being, you know, basically saying what the psychiatrist wants to hear, and then you hear his, his thoughts going, you know, bollocks to all of this. Yeah. I know what don't, I'm not real. I'm not, I don't really what he wants to hear. I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you know which is that kind of psychiatry scene that you also see in like um fright night 2 they have pretty virtually the same scene as that but you don't have the the internal voiceover <laughs> but it is quite funny when james the grove character walks out the psychiatrist and he goes but it's like bollocks bullshit a bit like warning shots <laughs> yeah warning shots of bullshit <laughs> just, just do that blow point a gun and the man you're going to be prepared to take him down <laughs> <laughs> And this is where we so, get the first of our two explosions. Love, um, you know, uh, this bit where the little the little creepers, the little the little tiny people that are off trying to get our heroes, um, they do allow uh, Reggie to escape up the chimney, having blown the pilot light out. He, do he does like a John McClane going up the chimney. Yeah. I know rather than chimney, it was the air vent, but still does a, well, a laundry shoot. Or, 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 or no. is it a laundry shoot? I think it's a laundry shoot. <laughs> Ah, uh, right. Okay. No, guys, know. you're you're yeah. all wrong. No, because Phantasm Two came out before Die Hard, so John McClane did a Reggie Bannister, and we just didn't know. John yeah. McClane did a Reggie Bannister. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street did a Phantasm. Oh no, Nightmare no, <laughs> on Elm Street was very influenced by Phantasm because the guys at New Line wanted to make a film like Phantasm because Phantasm was a big success and it played mm. around with that dream nightmare space and that was something that New Line really was, was inspired by and they wanted that. And it's actually New Line that picked up the rights to Phantasm and we're gonna do the Remax. So going back to a much earlier question, but in the end it never got off the ground, but it was New Line who was supposed to do it and they were oh, gonna wow. do a new trilogy, but for whatever reasons, it just no, has never happened. You know, but there that is, was- There, there even there's any effect. number of alternate universes where Freddy and the Tallman have, have sparred oh, and done a few rounds. Tallman. Tormund. There are even some. The there are even some. There are even some effects in this which look a bit look a bit Freddy, don't they? Like that bit yeah. where uh, th that thing comes out of her back. Yeah, that is very. Yeah, go east. Go. Yeah, if you go east, if you dare. Oh, the, rever <laughs> the reverse quato that comes out of that girl's back. Reverse quato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So uh, yeah, he, he goes up the he goes up the laundry chute, um, uh, and then the house, but. Angus Grimm, the tallman, is outside the house. You know he's a badass. He doesn't look back at that explosion. Doesn't lay, doesn't, doesn't give it a glance. Doesn't even doesn't have a little peep over his shoulder. He knows you can. He knows it's dangerous. He loses eyebrows. <laughs> uh, doesn't even do like a comical <laughs> dive. He's just standing there at probably the exact right distance away. And then this is when we go to the. Um, I love the bit when he's playing guitar. <laughs> There was a bit when he's playing guitar, just like gang, 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 and then he went, "Oh, what? Someone's attacking! Someone's attacking Mike upstairs!" Up <laughs> Guys, just so you know, though, just to draw back in our Nightmare on Elm Street parallel into this, um, the, the 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 lead makeup effects guy on Phantasm Two um, was Mark Shostrom, and he did he did all the designs for Evil Dead Two, and he also did the makeup for Nightmare on Elm Street Three, The Dream Warriors. He was oh involved in that. That's and the best. That's part, the best and part of his crew on on Phantasm Two makeup was um, Howard Berger and um, and Greg Nicotero, who then went on to form K and B. They the K and the you know the the N of yeah. K &B. <laughs> so 
that's you know, so that Nightmare yeah. Elm thing is very much Shostrom had worked very on very much present, isn't it? Yeah. And Nightmare Elm Dream Warriors came out the year before, so it's possible that if Puppet might even been of a something yeah. that he could use, possibly. I Does don't know. Have a little, there's a little Freddie marionette in, in number three. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that they might have repurposed mm. from his, his shop, but that's you'd have to ask him. But that is there is a link between you know Phantasm 2 and Nightmare Elm Street 3 yeah. with the makeup, you know, makeup designer. That's fascinating. Though. I feel like we're uncovering awesome. this, that Phantasm the series is like the centre of the web for all of this cinema. The centre of the it's world. Not getting the, <laughs> not getting the credit it deserves. I'd love to do like a like a sort of horror and other films like Die Hard, Family <laughs> Man Crawls Through Bed, a bit like in Phantasm. <laughs> all these things come back to... Phantasm was, a, you know, Dom was ahead of the curve on a lot of these things, you yeah. know. He had the balls to do it first. Hey. Steel knives once. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you were, so, you were so saying about it? the 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 house blowing up. Sorry, because it leads actually to like. Uh, actually, no. I'll hold this one back until the second explosion. So it yeah. comes up pretty quick because the second that uh, our main our main guy has become a different actor after doing. Thank goodness, actually, for their final escape from the house where it blows up. Thank goodness, this is in a pre-double glazing era. Can you imagine. <laughs> Thankfully, that's only a single pane and like a little couple of batons to throw yourself and a child head first out of before your house explodes. Oh, yeah. They had to if they'd have to uh, if they'd have to like, take a runner for your neck. <laughs> yeah, I've got a concussion <laughs> and I've been exploded. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as soon as yeah. as soon as as soon as our lads out of the out of the asylum. He's straight down the graveyard saying, there's nobody bodies here. <laughs> it's a totally normal thing to do. So you leave you a... do normally is you nip down the graveyard and dig up a couple of, you know, coffins. Just to, just to see that yeah. there are no bodies. I mean, that's the third one he's tried as well. So, you know, he's been busy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They make a good point of that. And then, of course, <laughs> like Reggie turns up and because I knew I'd find you here. Of course, yeah, in the graveyard. Obviously. What did but you then pick he comes me up? up? I was getting released from an asylum today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why did you pick him up? No, he he knew he'd he'd catch him at the graveyard. That's why. Oh, Save the trip. It's closer. <laughs> but it, that's where Reggie right. comes out with one of my favourite lines of the movie, uh, where he's trying to convince him about the tall man. He's like the tall man. That story about me blowing up my own house because it was infested with midgets. It's <laughs> <laughs> when he says midgets, I feel like he yeah. knows he's infested with midgets. Infested with midgets. And I'm thinking, you can't say that shit. That's terrible. You can't say infested. That's... You have but, to say Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, but remember, this was in 1988, so that wasn't an issue for them, for the Reggie Bannister of the 88 period. But <laughs> And for the midgets of the 80s as well. Yeah, well, Ed, well, Ed Girl, who plays the lead... The lead um, dwarf creature, um, uh, Ed Girl, He he was. We interviewed him as well when we did the documentary. He's he's brilliant, and he played Howard the Duck for George Lucas, and he was telling. Oh me my god! About that as well. So. Amazing. <laughs> that is two two Howard the Duck references in in as many podcast episodes. Yeah. Last week we had Will Robson, and he's made he was drawing the comic for Howard the Duck. Oh, so, yeah, that's so, just linking so, our shows together. Yeah, so that lead, the lead dwarf in Phantasm Two, the featured main dwarf with the, all the, the main hero makeup, that is Ed Girl. That is Howard the Duck. That dwarf. 
There you go. Uh, maybe <laughs> a, maybe an upcoming bonus episode, Ben, in our <laughs> ongoing series of terrifying creature features we'll do have with the duck. And also, and he not it's only nice. yeah, he um he also played. I think he played Chucky as well. Oh, or wow. or he got okay. turned down for Chucky because he was too tall. Actually, I think he might have lost out to Chucky. Ah. He wasn't quite short enough, actually. And he was a bit upset by that. I think that was oh, the case. It's just you know. like the sweet spot that he needed to be in. <laughs> yeah, no, there was, you know. Yeah, but, so, but he, oh, was, he, was, a minute. he was good enough for a dwarf and, and how the duck, but I think he was yeah. too tall for Chucky. <laughs> Yeah, you, talk about you guys like... are going to have to cover Howard the Duck now. You realise that, right? Oh yeah, I've already. I mean, Howard the Duck I'm is pretty terrifying. It. Those eyes, human eyes, the human uh, eyes, and, and the some sort of like sexual, not the implied sexual the relationship, explicit yeah. sexual relationship, and it's a. I would argue it's a it's a Lovecraftian cosmic horror because those yeah. those things that take over people's bodies come from other dimensions. Yeah, that's right. I think if I've met look, Ben, if I got you to if I got you on board with Congo and we all agreed that Dunstan checks in as a horror thriller, <laughs> then I think Howard the Duck's easy. It's a, it's no lift. <laughs> it's a no brainer. Uh, okay, so 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 Mike pretty much faked his recovery to get released. That's what he said to Yeah, he had his fingers crossed the whole time. He was like, Yeah, he had yeah, his actually, fingers crossed the whole time. He had like I a peep show monologue going on in his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like say it's all fine. <laughs> yeah. And what's the first thing you do when you get released? Oh, no one's going to be monitoring me at all. I'm on my way to dig up some bloody graves. All right. Well, you were so remember, convincing. But remember so. though that Reggie does kind of get worried for him because if he gets caught digging up a grave, he's going to get into trouble and be sent back. So that, yeah. yes, that's that. That's, that was one of the rules of his release. <laughs> There's no a light coming towards him in the background. Quick, get out of here! If you get caught, you're going to be sent back to the yeah. asylum. You could argue, I think Mike had, if you, you could have a plan there and say, look, what, what jobs am I going to get as a recently released um, insane person? Of course I'm digging graves. These are, these graves are empty because they need to be filled. I'm just doing a community service here. No, <laughs> In the night Reg, shift. Reg, Reggie is worried for him and he goes, come on, let's go back for dinner at my house. Actually, not just my direct family, but all my extended family are over. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Nothing is gonna go wrong. What did you, I mean, as soon as he said that, it was like, oh dear. Well, even your cousin, yeah. What about what about your cousin's kids? Whose I've names been reunited. I've been reunited yeah. with people who live in Australia. I hadn't seen them for years. Still a black, and surprise, surprise, has got them over. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, honestly, never the, seen them this... before. If the dog even and the... the fish and the cat and yeah. every the turtle, the lizard, even someone who is like friends with your mom, who you call auntie, even though you're not related to, she's over. Your next door neighbours from the house you lived in when you were a kid moved years <laughs> and ago. We're now, cooking with in. gas. <laughs> cooking with gas. No, no. no. And then, yeah, unfortunately, Mike gets one of the least helpful types of um, like. Um, pre-cognition you know one that flash forward eight seconds before it happens awful absolutely awful oh i've had a premonition that's all right i'll be able to save him now no tolman's tolman's put the gas on he sends him a little vision he goes hey up he's up yeah hello yeah it's tolman here um guess what i'm at your mate reggie's house i'm just whacking the gas on fucking hell quick get him out the house he hasn't got a mobile phone it's 1988 you can't get him out the house they're exploded instantly 
<laughs> exactly. Well, Tormund's well, like, you've, you've, you've been J-horrid. You've got to realise how, how strong that those American gas jets are in those ovens because that filled, that filled the entire house within, you know, like 30 seconds or so to get, you know, the size of that explosion for the for that appliance is remarkable as well, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could leave that, the, yeah, leave the gas. Explosion. Imagine if there had been some explosives in that house. I mean, that's just a gas explosion that yeah. did that. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. The tallman has set the has set the burners to basically smithereens your house. <laughs> One hell of a turkey. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so his yeah, entire family kills... in judgment day blasted to atoms. And um <laughs> and then brilliant Reggie's... if the explosion happened and then you just hear like like two seconds later, you just hear the egg timer go off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dinner's ready. Or there's like a microwave or fish pie that's still cold in the middle. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, yeah, always is. Um, <laughs> still frozen. I'm poisoned. Sorry, I've done it. <laughs> I must say, as a filmmaker, though, I mean, when you get a chance to blow stuff up, you do really want to go big. And what I love about what Don does in this film, he really goes, he really goes for it. It's like I'm making an action movie. I'm yeah. going to do fucking huge explosions. So, what he, is the biggest explosion you've you've done, Jake? So that sounds like a personal oh, for question. For me, but... the biggest explosion I've done. Well, I blew up the toy shop in in um doghouse and then i blew up a hotel window with doug bradley being thrown out of it in pumpkinhead ashes to ashes but oh so probably God, just i've only blown up a toy shop at the moment and you know i did a flamethrower in my abc's of death but it's not really an explosion but it did set something a monster on fire That's so yeah I've, I've got i've got to blow up something bigger than the toy shop you know <laughs> yeah the next film yeah, so blow up a neighborhood. I feel like because it is great when you do get to blow shit up. I mean, that is nuts. Yeah, <laughs> and I can see Dom, you know, really that he really went for it. And as he did with some of the the, 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 the stunt car stuff, particularly in in Phantom in Phantasm Free, that the, the hearse flip, I think, is one of the it's one of the longest car stunt flips of all time. It's about oh, a, nice. over a hundred foot that flip. And us on a pipe ramp. Bob Ivey's the stunt driver. It's fans has free. The the hearse is that that car flip is incredible. It's absolutely insane. That one. <laughs> Sorry. See, I, I love no. I love a series like this. Like you know, like series like Phantasm going. You know, really swinging for the fences on like it's pyro work and it's stunt work and it's and its effects as says like to make an an action movie. You're not messing about with this and dialing back on it. I think so much with genre cinema is about doing what you can with the budget you have and what you're able to show especially practically um you know what what can you do and i have got all the love in the world for doing work with scale models and all those other things oh yeah 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 um but when you get an opportunity as you say jake to do it big and just if you bought a house for a dollar, which in 1988 exchange rates is probably what about 50p? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that is less than Charlie Bucket, a notable fictional poor child, was able to buy a chocolate bar for, and you bought an entire house for that. Well, that's well, that's, be well, that's because the house was being destroyed anyway, and it was said so they were building a freeway. You can't keep so. it. I'm going to build a road here tomorrow. It's all right. Don't worry. Save your job. No, but you've got to call that a great bit of producing though on their part to be able to find this oh, house. Yeah, 100%. Building the second story would have was the Thing that cost them all the money because obviously that was actually a bit of a build and then you know but actually buying a property for that amount of money is brilliant you've got to love that because but you andy know, you can't you can't say that andy because you can't compare willy wonka and the chocolate factory and charlie bucket situation to don coscarelli 
buying a house for a dollar when Charlie Bucket hasn't got like a the, the best sort of living situation going on. I kind of feel like <laughs> that's a really unfair comparison. You, you, could, you could say that the dwarves are are the tall man's unpolitical. <laughs> I think there's a big parallel to play here, actually, Aaron. I think this this is more connected than you think. <laughs> really? So we're we're going to connect Charlie Bucket and the Olympus to Phantasm. I just looked as well, and actually, Egg Girl did play. He did play Chucky in the first Chucky film. He did oh, exactly. Play. Yeah. So he was tall enough. <laughs> he, was, he was the exact right height to be Chucky. But yeah, these things are connected. I mean, Jake, you can tell us: Are there in the ongoing Phantasm series? Are there? Any kids that get stuck in pipes, kids that watch too much television, or someone that swells <laughs> up like a big balloon. Well, 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 Lord of the Dead, the third one, is very much is. Uh, Don says it, yeah, it's like Home Alone or steroids. He calls it. So it's got it's got your Home Alone gags in there, and a lot of, of like kind of um, deadly traps inside this house that this kid has set up because he wanted to return to having a younger kid in the series in the third one, like the young Mike in the in the second one. So if if the Home Alone fans, Phantasm Free is the one. <laughs> oh wow. That's why I want to watch but a not, Christmas. Not so much, yeah, yeah, definitely. Not so much the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing, though, to be fair. But but certainly there is, you know, there is that. Because obviously the first film had the young kid, and it, a lot of younger kids have always liked the Fantastic Series, and the third one had that that younger kid in it again as well. So it was kind of a gateway entry to, to people at a certain age, if that was one of the early films that they saw, I think. So Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has got lots of horror elements, though, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's great. It's, you know, oh, great no, story. the kids are dead. Uh, yeah, who cares? They were fucking horrible anyway. Yeah, they were mean <laughs> chocolate kids. for the rest of us. It's only it's only sad when a nice kid dies in an industrial accident. I've always seen the little creatures in Phantasm that I've because let's face it, Disney Plus are doing all these prequels to Star Wars and stuff. I think this is where um the Jawas come from yeah. in Star Wars. I think yeah, but, but Star Wars made was made before before Phantasm. So Don was influenced by the Jawas that look for fan for Phantasm. Uh, you, you know what, Jake? I'm sick of your facts <laughs> and getting them right. This is <laughs> you've been taking over this podcast. Let's just all agree Star Wars came first because I saw it first. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that works. I'm sorry, so your timeline doesn't work out for that argument. That's all, but you know. <laughs> so basically, the Jawas, the, the the tall man's helpers, and the Umpalumpers are one and the same, effectively. Well, we, we could. We, we. I don't think we can. You you could draw that parallel if you like. <laughs> I, I'm going to give, give, give me a few. Give me a couple of days to put together the fact that the tall man is Willy Wonka, and in the upcoming. Timothy Chalamet, like Wonka, Wonka prequel. That if there might be some barrels in the background that he might be using to compress some palumpers with, make them from the bodies of victims. Have we ever seen a full grave in the Charlie and the Chocolate Truck Factory universe? Tell me this. I think in the Charlie and Chocolate universe, the, the tall man is a bit like when um, Ed, um, Tim Burton did. He showed Charlie. Charlie's dad, didn't he? And he had him mm. a dentist played by by Christopher Lee. So that's kind of like the tall man of the of the uh, the cinematic universe of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, the Wonka, so Wonka is the tallman's son. <laughs> instead of instead of compressing people to go to a weird sort of Total Recall Mars and mill about on that thing there he just gets them to run a chocolate factory to be yeah. honest though when they're in the when they're, when they're going the, well, too much chocolate. <laughs> sorry when he, when he when he goes through the portal uh 
uh, and he comes out of the barrel. One of the little creatures comes out. He does look like chocolate. He looks like he's been like resting in caramel for a bit. He's all drippy and he's been he's been submerged in it. So he's also submerged in chocolate. They say that's chocolate in the barrel. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Chocolate in the barrel. That's a great phrase. Chocolate in the barrel. Andy's theory has some weight to it after all. When if he's gone again, I'll ask him about that and ask him if he was influenced by Charlie and the chocolate factory. You see, this is all this is all coming together. I've said this before and I'll say it again again. There's a lot of film podcasts and horror podcasts out there they talk about theories they talk about you know real film school bs but i i challenge you to find another podcast that's drawn these parallels you won't find one don't even bother looking the this stuff this is the one yeah, this, this, this gets, the, one. This gets <laughs> the origin the source of it all yeah the, the, I'm, I'm sure there are words on this podcast that we have said that have never been used in the same combinations ever <laughs> When, um, so, so when the big when the big funeral happens next, does Reggie get a discount for like burying all his family at the same time? I'm sure he'd be absolutely ruined, wouldn't he? He'd be ruined with the costs. There's no mention yeah. of that. He'd be crippled. I mean, I reckon the insurance well, uh, would be trying to wheedle out of that one. No, no, no. Um, I, I think you'll find that we are, you know, you're covered for the norm a normal amount of people that would be in your house. We're not covering you for having. I'll pay out for up to four of your family members' untimely deaths, but you're not getting the rest. Yeah, but that's why he blew up his house. He had to claim the house insurance. That's why he didn't blow up the funeral. But it's, it's, <laughs> bury your family for a fiver. Just borrowing the Sainsbury's feed your family for a fiver. There, I was just like, oh god. But you look <laughs> at the coffins, and and I don't know if you notice this, Jake, but they're all different coffins, and the one on the end that's white looks quite shit. Like. It's almost like we've run out of money for, for Reggie's family. It was just I'll just put him in a white. That, box. that was the that was the family friend. Really <laughs> well, we're not paying for their coffin too. Just yeah, no, that's I've not got, fair. I've got a shoebox. It's just really <laughs> <use> that. <laughs> that's like Uncle Nobed that you only see at Christmas. <laughs> like I'm not getting mahogany for this dickhead. Well, <laughs> I'm not mahogany for this dickhead. Bit bit of bit of quick Reggie Bannister trivia in the funeral in the first film. In Phantasm, the priest at the graveside service is Reggie Bannister's father. If you look at him, he looks very similar to Reggie as well. Just a bit trivia for you as well. Back to Phantasm too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, I, can't I help love it. how much of a family affair this series was. <laughs> um, yes, great. So, um, the funeral. So, yeah, the funeral yeah. happens. They're in lovely black suits with sunglasses, proper men in black vibes. Um, and basically, Reggie is now so convinced is by now. Mike. Reggie's a badass now. Mike's convinced him. Look, all that stuff wasn't a dream. It was all real. And he's, now we've got to go and find the tall man and fuck him up. Uh, so they break into a hardware store. And basically, this is like a big tooling up. Ser- uh, oh, here we go, Jake. <laughs> this Jake and I had a bit of a thing yeah. about this because it, to me, it just reminded me of Dale's supermarket sweep. We, yeah, we were we the, were kind of adding up the prices of supermarkets. He was taking and putting in the car, <laughs> and compared to the amount of money he leaves at the end in the till, they were like three dollars. <laughs> they definitely didn't pay enough. <laughs> like even they paid him two dollars, twenty dollars, or two hundred dollars, but there's at least a grand's worth of stuff in there. Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah. We, we accommodated for nineteen eighty eight prices. Yeah, but even at nineteen ninety eight prices, if you look what they were taking, I mean, it was yeah. like it was, simply, it was a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, I told like you what flame I've flamethrower. Well, I'll tell you what I've learned from this. Scene. You know, it's dead easy to make flamethrowers. 
Yeah. <laughs> or double shotgun. Uh, it's like yeah. a quadruple shotgun, isn't it? Oh, wait, yeah. Oh, it's quadruple yeah. barrel. Yes, quadruple barrel shotgun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> double trouble, yeah. Yeah. So basically, every, every time like, they would pick something out, Jake would be like, <laughs> bullets, $4. Yes. It's like, $4.99. Pack of 12. Shotgun bullets, $7.99. Um, yeah, chainsaw, $24.99. Inflatable. You get the inflatable bonus one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is they're, taking, they're taking items like guns as well. You know, they're, they're not, you know, so definitely the, the amount of dollars it is hilarious, that bit of money in the till. Because, you know, they're good guys and they want to pay, but they're definitely not paying full price on that. <laughs> no, that's almost like is... an insult. You might as well have just done that at the end of it. Like, here, we had money, but not enough. Yeah, oh, it's like leaving one P as a tip or something like that. So, oh, no, yeah. I know you're supposed to tip. I'm not cheap. I'm just saying fuck you. Um, <laughs> maybe there could have been, you know, not to give uh, expert filmmakers notes here, we could have not have anything to nitpick here if when they were, we had a little scene of the family watching telly before they were exploded in that gas explosion with a local hardware store owner saying, come on down, my prices are crazy. <laughs> all, you can, all you can fit in your car for just $3. They'd be like, how's he staying in business? Then, imagine that. That'd yeah, be I like, can imagine what Reggie would like for Christmas. Double shotgun. That's what I'm going to get him for. Boom. And it's explosion. Yeah. Double shotgun. But has anyone ever made a quad shotgun? Madness. I haven't <laughs> seen Phantasm 3 and 4, so... <laughs> Well, the double shotgun returns um, in four, that's for sure. They can't. He left it behind. Spoilers. Yeah, but he can, he's made another one. Spoilers. He, <laughs> he, he, went, he went back to the hardware store. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't take him long to knock these things up, as you can see from that sequence. I mean, they're pretty pretty efficient at, at creating flamethrowers and quad shotguns. I mean, it's a it's a 30-second montage job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then, uh, even with the magic of YouTube videos, which can technically help me do anything these days, not sure I could make a flamethrower just with the parts available in a hardware <laughs> store. Yeah, but, but this not, is America. It's not just a flamethrower. It's also for lighting your fire, as you see later in the film. Ah, uh, true. It's a Which is a brilliant little moment, I think. <laughs> yeah, he didn't set fire to the rug or anything like that. <laughs> no, but, but once again, the great, great, the great thing about Phantasm 2 is, is it just cracks on with these things. It's not like, it's not going to spend 10 minutes showing you how to make stuff. And, you know, Dom's really efficient with his scenes and he gets he gets the narrative move, moving. But we don't we don't want ages of of of, of um, Mike having to convince Reggie that he's got to go in with him and it, he's not mad. He just accepts it and then Reg starts becoming an action hero, yeah. which is The second funny his family have exploded, he's immediately on board. Yeah, and I think that, but I think once again, the, the, the real great sort of heart of the Phantasm 2 thing is, is it because in the first film, Reg was no, nothing like an action hero. And this, in, this amusing idea of turning the guy who's least likely to be an action hero in the world into an action hero is, is that character of Reg. And like I say, this idea of him becoming the Reg man, as they called him in the later, as the series went on, it's, it's this idea that he developed this character. And I think that, you know, you could clearly see they were having a load of fun with that. And I think that's why Reggie became a lot of people's favourite character, a lot, lot of fans' favourite character in the series in the end. Yeah, certainly. He, he is so opinion. funny as well. I mean, his reactions are... Priceless. I, this I, is my big evolution from especially watching the two back to back. Yeah, my experience with Reggie from the first film, he's a very different character, or you know, for the most part that we see in this film now, and I really love what he becomes yeah. in in this second in this second film. And speaking of things that Phantasm went on to influence, actually no, check the dates. I feel like this <laughs> section now, 
Jake, you have to pull this for us. But you know, when they're they're on the trail of the tallman, they're going round. They break into uh, like a mausoleum in an old graveyard in a town. And for me, this is this is aliens that we get here. They're like going yeah. through these dark corridors. They're kitted up. They've got you know he's got yeah. the he's got the welding mask down. They've got flamethrowers, and they're going through. Well, I think I think Aliens was already out. Actually, I think it was out in '86, wasn't it? Aliens. I'm guessing. Uh, I'm, re- I'm guessing Ridley saw the Phantasm script and was like, "Right, I'm having this. <laughs> I, can be, I can be in production quicker." Yeah. So, if anything, once again, it's Don may well have been influenced by Aliens. In fact, for that that imagery, um, yeah. possibly because Aliens was a couple of years before. But yeah, this is it, it gave me big aliens vibes yeah. going and think, through these and I'm sure, I'm sure Don would have loved that. I mean, I love the bit when they're going into this into the cemetery with all of the empty graves and they're just weaving around the, the, the graveyard, you know, and they're you know they've got they're tooled up and going in. It's a lovely shot. And it does have that vibe of that kind of alien y type thing, yeah. definitely. Mm. And they they split up. Um we have a naked woman who is very sparingly not used for a jump scare, just looks at on the table and goes, Oh. He does that's have that, a good old. She good does old... disappear, and that's quite creepy. Yeah, but that's and a really. That does I really like that moment because obviously that is the the alchemy character, and the idea that he's seen her and she's dead is something disturbing. So she's, you know, because we we know that the tall man manifests as as females. We know this um, from the yeah. first film because the tall man is also the lady in lavender. You know, he mm-hmm. is a sort of transsexual alien. It would appear, and he can change his his form. So that's kind of telling us. And that Mike realizes that there is something off with that alchemy character, which is, does pan out in the end. Is the inter- interdimensional alien stuff? Is that is that only does that only really become clear in in sort of the the the, the sort of prequel backstory it's, stuff we get in? Is no, it's, it's in the like explicit. But it's in like the 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 dimension. It is in the first film. Like it's in, it's in the, the first yeah. film. Yeah, I mean that's uh, all there. Okay. The red planet, the whole the interdimensional. It's because you know because. You know, when he was writing it, he was a teenager and he, he went up to a cabin in like outside of L.A. up in the mountains to, to write the script. And, he, you know, he was a teenager when he was writing it. So and he was basing a lot on these dreams and nightmares. And it's got it's it's got a kind of I mean, it's a big kind of like sort of left turn, isn't it? Like sort of hmm. nearly two thirds of the way through the original fantasy script. Instead of, instead of being a horror film, it's all of a sudden turns into it's got this science fiction stuff mm. happening in it. I love the um, blend of like sci-fi and fantasy we yeah. get we get from these ones and as you mentioned the tall man able to don the persona of you know these female characters as well as we can also confirm years later going on to inspire dana carvey's master of disguise <laughs> the, the, the speed at which he, he is angus grim the original master of disguise <laughs> but yeah it, but, but it's because they they were wise enough to make sure that, that angus didn't play all of the characters <laughs> oh there can you, you imagine that different world where it's like no we need to give the audience a clue like we can't magically like a, just have a mike myers scenario actor. yeah literally like put a put like a blonde wig on him <laughs> so does that mean that reggie had sex with the tallman well yeah. technically that would be the case if that's yeah. Yeah, but the, I mean wow. the thing, you know, but the thing is, is that if that's your reading of it, the, the, you know, Don Don always liked to say he didn't have, ever feel the need to explain himself. But when we get to the end scene, we, I, I, we can talk a little bit more about this yeah. this dual mm. character thing. So it's, it's, there's an interesting scene which was changed because they couldn't pull off oh, the effect. Okay. Explicitly, oh. very heavily dry humped by the tallman in my reading of the film. Anyway, <laughs> heavily dry humped, <laughs> head humped. 
<laughs> the tournament does strike me as that kind of lover, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he, he's a wild lover. <laughs> but so the, the girl who plays alchemy or chemi, as they call her, as the film, Samantha Phillips. She, she, she really apparently loved doing that. It took them about five hours to shoot that sex scene. Um, Reggie said, "Oh God, um, can you imagine the chafing?" Yeah. Yeah, but 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 she just couldn't keep a straight face. And if you look right at the end of it, she is actually pissing herself with laughter. If you look right at the end, she's she is finding it really funny. And she Some just, people are into that. Some people yeah. like that humiliation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is it is funny. You know, you've got such a great look at you give such great head, Reggie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she is maniacal. Well, I love I love your head, Reggie. She says that's it. It's yeah, I love your I love your head, and then literally. <laughs> She yeah. properly does a yeehaw and a yeah, and yeah, a mind, it's a full, full and cow girl. <laughs> His head's just like all that going on, <laughs> head action. But um, but I think also it's just the fact that because you don't expect Reg to be either a kind of action hero or a lover, it's so much funnier because it is that character. Yeah. This stuff is happening to. He he becomes almost a Bruce Campbell character, but at the moment without the swagger and the confidence that it, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that 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 character has. Exactly, um, but, but whereas you'd you'd actually expect that the, the James the Gross character would be having like the, the sex scene with the girl, whereas he's actually just falls asleep with the with uh, the Liz character that he's psychically with. telling <laughs> her that he loves yeah, her. They just have a psychic <laughs> conversation that they're just good friends. <laughs> they say they love we're dreaming. Kiss, oh wow! They don't, have, they don't have a big sex scene, do they? So. <laughs> yeah, have a lovely. It's just his face when she cat. sort of turns around and says, "Oh no, we're dreaming," and he's like. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> we're talking to each other. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and there's no imagination to the dream. They're, they're still in the bedroom. There's no, we're not, we're not in outer space. We're not in a castle or whatever. It's just we're in the same setting. Wow, it's like one of those dreams you have that you just go to school and have a normal day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, then you wake up and you go, "Oh shit, Scott! No, it's alright. I'm forty. Don't worry." <laughs> they do that before we get into meeting alchemy who comes up very soon just to finish off that scene where we're going through the thing we mentioned earlier on we meet somebody who looks a lot like the liz character but is actually uh she's got a bin bag on and she's shivering in the basement reggie finds her whip the bin bag off and she's got reverse quarto in it like a big head on a spine comes out uh, with the messages here Go east if you dare, and then what if I love this bit is they don't they don't even mess around. Reggie like goes out of the way. Uh, no, sorry, he says get the fuck back, and then there's barely even a comma. Yeah, I don't, I think in the script there's no punctuation at all. He goes get the fuck back, burn. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like goes like a split second to step out of the way before he incinerate before he incinerates. And again, um. The, the obviously uh, Reggie has taken lessons from the characters in the thing. He doesn't pause for a second. Second, something's gone weird in the thingish. No, I I do have the dates that the thing was before, but again, yeah. it has that vibe about oh, no, it. The, right the thing time. was way before. Yeah, that was yeah, uh, so eighty two. So like, uh, so like that that visual that you get of like, yeah, a human body with something uncanny which has elements of a human to it but also you know the distortion in the face and everything it's really good practical stuff yeah it's beautiful beautiful practical makeups by mark shostrom and, and kmb berger and uh nicotero i mean they're beautiful i mean the, it's, it's got that wonderful 80s effects work in it 
And remember that, you know, those guys had all come fresh off Evil Dead 2 as well. <laughs> so, you know, oh, and the same, the, the wow, sort of, yeah. like, oh, talking about Evil Dead 2, it has the spine and the long neck and the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Mark, head that's much Mark Shostrom's style at that point as well. That, that slightly exaggerated things in the faces. And, you know, there's, that's got that really, that's got that real kind of beautiful 80s practical makeup work in there which is mm. i mean I love that stuff and but yeah i love the the fact that he doesn't hesitate and burns her down but remembering there's that little bit of voiceover beforehand where where mike goes and yes and sometimes talking about the tall man is going to these towns and sometimes he leaves tra traps for us <laughs> like that. That tiny bit of voiceover which could well have been at the request of the studio mm. who felt the need to explain stuff whereas don so there might have been some stuff that got slightly changed there in his original version but we once again we'll never know unfortunately but there you go <laughs> what traps does he leave for them though because that was never really explained either well that, was one, of, well, that was one of them isn't it this is not the girl he loves it's actually a, a tall man that you know like coming out of her back and it's uh, a, it's a kind of yeah, like the Tallman is he's King Cooper in him right there. Yeah. It's like the actual Liz you want is in another castle, mate. I'm just a reverse yeah. squato here with a message. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go east. <laughs> yeah, go east. Oh for fuck's sake. Just these clues, like oh phantasm. But, but, but the like, good you know, thing is is that they do dare. They do dare. <laughs> they do dare. Because I do actually dare. <laughs> um I mean, nowadays with you know cross purposes and these media adaptations the tall man is perfect for like one of these extra inflated open world video games where there's only <laughs> the only thing the only objective is it's like breath of the wild style get the tall man but <laughs> he's got hundreds like 300 hours worth of objectives of going places where you'll go through <laughs> some tremendous ordeal and be like yeah nah not here on you go. <laughs> get yourself to perigold mate <laughs> Sometimes he leaves traps for us. Sometimes he's not even here at all. Sometimes, <laughs> he's, sometimes he's part of my girlfriend's back. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. But, um, Mike is especially pooped from this ordeal, and he has a lovely kip in the car, sleeps so deeply that they're able to drive through the night and pick up a woman called Alchemy, who politely sits in silence until Mike wakes up. But we were speculating about the scene you didn't see about when she gets into the car, like sort of treading over him and getting through it's the a back three door. door car, Jake. How how was he meant? How was she meant to get in without folding him down while he's asleep? <laughs> Unless, of course, you said Reggie gets out of the car and she gets in that side, but. Yeah, but, oh, that's but, annoying for everyone but, involved. But, but once again, though, if we read the film slightly differently, and that is the tall man, remember, it's quite an unusual character name, Alchemy. Which is of getting mm. a kind of mystical idea, a dimension of something base turning into something else, you know. So if that character herself, so how did she get in that car? If she's actually the tall man, did she just materialise in because it's got that knocking through the tailpipe? Yeah, yeah. No, but it's actually it's the thing that Phantasm always was trying to do was trying to create an idea of it being a dream, and I I really like that sequence because mm. it. It reminds me of a bit in the first film when he's on the, remember he's been knocked out and he's on the road and his brother's on the road as well. And it's this idea of a kind of link between them. And I think in the filmmaking, Don is trying to do this, this because there's definitely some kind of link between the Mike character and the tall man, which gets evolved over the series as well. So you could read it that Alchemy, if she is the tall man, maybe they didn't stop and pick her up. And, you know, it's Reg, it's, it's got that weird dream logic of the, you know, even though Reg says that, did that happen? Because, you know, half the time he doesn't believe Mike. And, you know, it's this idea. Yeah. So you kind of like... Whose perception is it in the film? 
you know, what who's who's actually point of view are you actually getting the film from? I think. And like you say, you're right with this dream logic. Quite often, when you're having dreams in the real dream world, um, <laughs> like you know, you just accept that this. Oh yeah, of course, this is my friend so and so. Even though when you think back on the dream, they look nothing like the person you accept. Or this is my house, but it's nothing like the build of your house. Yeah. But yeah. you know. As a filmmaker, the clues are all there. If you think about it very carefully, everybody, if you spell alchemy incredibly incorrectly, it is an anagram of the tall man. <laughs> but, 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 the, but for me, the reason the scene really works nicely is because, remember, he's seen her dead body before and that dead body disappears. And we know that that's alchemy. We know we've seen her already and we know she's dead. So when she appears in the car, he has already had a premonition of her. So he knows there's something off there is something off about her just appearing anyway. It's a yeah. bit like when the box appears in the beginning of the film, you know, in the first film. You know, grand, what, what does grandmother want you to learn? It's kind of, you know, do not fear. Fear is the mind killer. It's a, you know, this is the this is the phantasm, the strange world of phantasm that is Don was always trying to put in this stuff which isn't quite logical, but it does actually feel more like a dream. And the studio were trying to iron that out in this one a bit, which is a shame. And another link yeah. in the web as well, right from the first Phantasm, fear being the mind killer, and that planet looking very Juni. Yeah, well, but with sci-fi influence, mm -hmm. of, you know, of Don being influenced by sci-fi films, absolutely, and nicking, basically nicking the whole line from June on the with the box, <laughs> that whole scene really. Just borrowing it. Yes, yeah, well, it's a complete steal, isn't it? But you know, as Coppola already Coppola said, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. So it's always a smart move. <laughs> Or when I ever think of the uh, influences of the, the directors, it's Adam and Joe pretending to be um, uh, Guy Ritchie saying, he used a directorial technique known as copying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, most most directors nick stuff from other, other people. It's just, yeah. can you get away with it, is the question. It's just, it's just fun influences and stuff. And I think yeah. it's such a, especially when you're talking about horror genre cinema, I think there's a lot of love in the things that you take from. It's not like this is an effective technique that I want to use. Like it's not like a, a visual tick or something. I think it very much is. I want to invoke the feelings of this of this series or this character that I really love. I, I think very, very particularly when it comes to horror cinema, I think it's done very deliberately and very meaningfully. Yeah. You say that, but also think that you know um, Mike and Reggie in in these particular sequences. I think Supernatural, the TV show, I think were influenced yeah, by I've this seen, with the with the Chevy Impala and stuff. I think you're right in terms of yeah. the way that that vibe is between the two of them and having a super cool car. They definitely lifted. I think that from Phantasm, but whether they did it consciously or not is an interesting thing, though. I mean, even Mike, the character of Mike, looks like Jared Padalecki. He he looks like mm. the guy from Supernatural as well, which I don't know if that's a conscious decision or or how much of that. But yeah, you're right, Jake. I think they were completely influenced for Supernatural from with elements of Phantasm, definitely. Yeah. But, but I suppose like like um like Andy was just saying with horror films that horror gets influenced by horror and, it, and the DNA of different things seem to get influenced and filtered as we go on, you know, because, you know, because of all of the influences of, of, of like the guys who work on Evil Dead 2 and those guys, you know, like, I, I mean, we can wait to it, but you, we, you know about the, the Sam Raimi cameo or do you want to, will we get to that at a certain point? And I can tell you the story about that, but that feeds into what we're saying here. It's, it's, 
Yeah, this one was far better connected than ever <laughs> imagined it, it could be. So we meet Alchemy. Uh, Mike gets out the car and goes, oh, bloody saw her. She was dead. She shouldn't be with us. And, no, they um, fold him down. And then yeah. Springs back up again. Gets out of the car. Um, he says, says her, like she was with us. She was dead. She, for her own safety, shouldn't be with us. It's okay. I'll take that. I'll take that on board. By which I mean ignore it and 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 crack on. I will get her to stay at home when we go on a dangerous mission in a bit. <laughs> but meanwhile, Liz's granddad is—he's um, only been killed, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, he's died. Is this the bit where? Oh, I tell you, it is. It's the possibly the worst time to ever try and step in to have a word with the vicar, isn't it? <laughs> The worst. Yeah. That, that is actually quite nasty for the grandmother, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the grand the grandma's thinking, oh, I should really see, I, I should really chat to the vicar about what uh, yeah, you know, what picture could... we want to use on the order of service. And oh, the God, vicar's no, gone. Remember, it's open casket, and she's she's probably thinking, oh, could you close the casket? And she goes back in, and he's like, back stab stab. So we're all going back to my place for yeah. for a cup of tea. Do you want to? Come... Do you want to come and get some troll crackers with us or some snack? Crackers. Whatever the little snacks are afterwards, I don't know. It's not a very, <laughs> it's not a very well attended funeral either, you know. You... Jake, it's pink wafers at a funeral. Yeah, like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the custom is. Pink <laughs> <laughs> wafers, but, but it's actually quite, a, it's actually quite a brutal moment, though, isn't it? When she does go back in and she, you know, yeah, I thought just, <laughs> just as the vicar's had a quick word with the Lord and said, actually, I can't deal with this heresy anymore. Um, gonna stick a knife in granddad's head <laughs> and also lord you're really tall yeah. <laughs> oh lord the tallest of the lords <laughs> yeah. no um, but jake that that moment actually when he actually does it and he gets caught out there's that really great shot where the priest just turns around and he pulls that face like yeah and it's yeah, just it's brilliant. Good. It's, good. it's, it's good. super well done. Yeah, but also that actor Kenneth Tiger, he looks like he was born to play priests as well. He's got he just looks like you know he's I'm sure he plays priests in other films as yeah. well, surely. He is to priests. But, but I was having Castle a Fight was for big game hunters. Yeah. But he he pops up in later in Avengers of Assemble down down in 2012 and he plays German old man. So is he the guy that <laughs> oh, yeah, he's the guy oh, with uh, bow down to me, not to men like you. There are always men like you. That's him from Avengers. Yeah, that's Avengers. Insane. He stands up to Loki. That is that is German. That is the Kenneth Tiger. Yeah, there you go. See, you know he's, you know, he stood up to the tall man. He stood up to Loki. He's all. He's always had strength of strength of character. He'll and, stab a granddad in the head as soon as he will, but he will not kneel yeah, to he, people he, just because they expect him. He was also in the X Files as Doctor Plant, as well. Oh. Can't remember what episode that is, but do whatever you want with that. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you were talking about the X Files earlier, so Kenneth Tiger. Good enough. link. It's a good link. Yeah. Did uh, anyone else think of a plant as well when you said yeah, that? Yeah. Just that was just a character name, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, What's, what's Audrey, next? Audrey what's next? Audrey too, yeah. So after after the priest got busted, sticking a knife in Grandad's noggin, um, <laughs> yeah, and Nan Nan's fainted, like very keeping up appearances, like style, like when Hyacinth gets like scared by that dog, <laughs> falls into the fence. Um, but then next thing you know, the mortuary assistant is there doing his business and. 
granddad's at the door looking through the peephole and then before you know it he's back in bed with grandma and she gets bloody grandnapped um <laughs> she gets grandnapped and the next thing you know liz goes around the house and just gets a little message from the tallman because he can a bit like we learn at this point i guess a bit a bit like mike he's got a, like a direct he's got our icq number he can send her those messages anytime he wants and he says hey come tonight do you want your, do you want your nan back oh, please come here then <laughs> if I, the tallman does not i mean he, he, we know this because this is his mo with um with mike and reddit ready he doesn't at least he's living in, in his own life in the same way going around the houses <laughs> rather than kidnap liz directly or go and get her. I've already been there once. <laughs> I want to go back. He's literally Same been, with the trip. He's literally been to her house, though. So he could have just gone and got her. But he goes, what I'll do is I will get her granddad and turn him into a zombie who then can kidnap her nan for me, who I can use as collateral to get her to come to me so I can set a trap for her. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. I mean, he's makes an alien. Is an alien. Maybe that is the most efficient way to do things in the Tallman dimension. <laughs> That's what they do on that planet. He's having fun. It's still the granddad. Good time. Yeah. <laughs> it's from like an old proverb there. Ah, uh, as we always say on Dusty Red Planet of the Small People, sometimes <laughs> to get the girl, you have to steal the granddad and use him to kidnap a nan. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's easier for the if if it's an older person, maybe it's easier to for the crushing them into the dwarf situation because remember it's their bones are maybe a bit weaker. Maybe that's yeah. maybe it's an easier easier thing. So you know. <laughs> lower, lower bone density. No. But you know we do get the we do get the lovely moment where the Liz character does get reunited with the grandmother, don't we? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah a little bit she's a dwarf. <laughs> yeah, she's a dwarf. Ben, says... you did it wrong. The line is literally. Sorry, Grandma. Like, <laughs> sorry, Grandma. Sorry, <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, his his agenda is set. Let's have a look here. Love not being able to read my own notes here. Um, so, I guess this is where, like, the film it, you know, it has that dream logic, and it very quickly escalates as they all get together here so having accepted the tournament's challenge to go east our heroes arrive they set up like a a home alone house for alchemy to say right there's a grenade in a tin by the window and like a cut of budweiser can there are strings attached to shotguns all over the house it's like why the coyote lego the road the window paint cans <laughs> up the stairs <laughs> <laughs> micro machines on every horizontal surface. <laughs> tarantula by the window. <laughs> but I do think that the whole this kind of setting up traps in horror films is is a thing, and it's certainly something that he did in in Phantasm One when you know Mike set up the traps with the shotgun shells and his you know in his bedroom to, to kind of escape. You know, remember the, the bit of DIY kind of shotgun with a hammer, which actually mm. actually you could. Quite possibly that would work actually <laughs> on the kind of logistical front, but yeah. um, 
in the and in the third one, the whole chaps thing gets taken up another gear in the kind of home alone chaps in the house thing. So there is this kind of little through line of traps in Phantasm, and you know they try and trap the, the tall man in various ways in the first one. You know, with quite elaborate plans of you know like trying to trap him in the mine and covering it up, and the hanging tree sequence, which was excised and then appears in four. So there's this idea. I don't know. They like this trap thing with kind of sort of homemade jerry-rigged stuff, <laughs> which is kind yes. of kind of fun, isn't it? But that also goes back to films like um, like Last House on the Left. You know, the Wes Craven. Oh, Wes Craven loves a booby trap. Yeah, and that boob, you know, that whole booby trap sequence is quite. It's got a similar vibe to it with sledgehammers and you know, like guns and doors. So I don't know. I think horror films, horror filmmakers like like traps <laughs> you know with, yeah i think it's a great yeah. leveler as well right when you have uh an enemy that's a great physical force that can't necessarily be overcome it's good for a character to be able to take that power by like weakening them or getting them entirely by being smarter and setting up traps it was a technique that would be copied by sherlock holmes years later when they looked at you know being able to plan these things in advance here so yeah, like this is, I, I love the, I love the trap stuff. Yeah. If only they, if only they'd done a bit where they'd attached a ladder, maybe the, you know, to be fair, knowing the Tallman's mo because he does this in both of the films, as well as sending people around the houses, the other thing the tall man loves to do, in the pre-double glazing world, is to wait, <laughs> ready windows. to punch a window through, not when you're not <laughs> looking though, only just after you've opened the curtains. <laughs> and, he, and he times it to perfection because what the, tall, what the tall man wants to do is he wants you to open the curtains, then he gives it about a three count because he wants you to see him <laughs> give be it like this. Give it the beats. Do the eyebrow. <laughs> does his eyebrow. He's got his jukes up like, um, you know, like a Henry Cooper star boxer. He's ready for the door. punches the... Henry <laughs> Dammer. Yeah. And then he just biffs the window through and he comes piling in, trying to slurp me off out of it. But, but before the quite... curtains are opened, he's just sitting there going, <laughs> waiting anxiously. <laughs> exactly, yeah. probably, I feel like maybe this is why Liz wasn't kidnapped directly. He'd been outside the house for, for a week, but she's just a really <laughs> sound sleeper. She's like, is that a noise outside? Probably Obviously. nothing. Turns over, goes back to sleep. <laughs> What's even worse is that she was already in the house getting it on with Reggie. Oh, that's in a little yeah. bit when he does come to the window. Oh, the right, moment, okay. I'm, lads, I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry. The lads have to go to the to the place. They've gone east. They've gone to this town, and this is where they leave alchemy in the house. Perigold, Perigold. Yeah, Perigold. So when they're in Perigold, they have a look around, and this is where, um, after a bit of, after a little bit of running around and fighting some of the, um, who are the people in the dog masks? Do they just call, do you call them diggers? Um. They're like dog-shaped Yeah, they're kind of like the grave. I don't know what they call them. Grave. Maybe because of gravers? Maybe. They've got, they do have a name. You're right. Um, yeah. Uh, they're not the little people. They're the big no. gravemen. They yeah, have like think, a, they're yeah. the taller people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, 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 I can't, sorry, I can't remember that. But, but he I, think he, I think he looks at them through his binoculars uh, and says, they're gravers. I've, I've dreamt about them, actually. Um, and I've dreamt about them. It's fine. I know uh, and he, we, we see them, <laughs> and we, we have a little bit of a battle with them, and then they sort of they they run around, and have like a bit of an encounter. I think this is where is this where the priest took a strangling? You get like an inverse yeah, cross with, with, with the um, 
the rosary, yeah, with yeah. Oh, yeah. kind of um, bit of psychokinesis rosary action. Yeah, because the the priest who stabbed Granddad in the head has another face off with the tallman, um, and he goes, "What are you doing?" He says, the, "Actually, the, the priest is wandering around in the mausoleum, and the tallman busts him, and they have a bit of a standoff where the tallman goes, "What are you doing here?" And he goes, "Should ask you the bloody same question. What are you doing to question the?" What is this? Last of the summer wine. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah, and they they have a they have a little bit of a standoff, and then um, basically the the priest is. Yeah, I mean, imagining God as being small, have you? And he goes, "Well, I haven't actually, but guess what? <laughs> he, he uses psychokinesis, and it's a great, you know, because of the um, the religious iconography, and like, you know, he's been hung, and the cross is upside down. Really, really cool stuff. Not enough to kill him though, just to make him a bit poorly. Oh yeah. Just, is that when he comes out with his famous line as well, Jake? You think when you die, you go to heaven. You come to us. So yeah, but that's yes, yeah. from the first film, isn't it? I mean, he's you know, so mm. yeah, I mean that's that's he does that brilliant line, and it's that good face off the classic kind of yeah, it's great. Yeah. That that's the bit yeah, where he does it. I think where he's being versus the priest. And I mean it's a lovely image with the with the with the inverted cross lifting yeah. him up. That's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you've, really, ever, really if you've ever actually owned a rosary, you'll know that it would snap within seconds because they're really weak. <laughs> like it would never no, no, priests get the durable rosary beads for <laughs> yeah, extra yeah. hard praying. Yeah, that's a kind of goth in the 80s. I had a lot of rosaries, and believe you me, like even the expensive ones, they, just, they could never hang yourself by a rosary. They're just not they're not good for that purpose. But yeah. it's, a, it's a brilliant image, though. I absolutely love it. You know, I think they're never going to sell you one that strong, Jake, unless you show them your your church card. They'll be like, "Yeah, you can get church you can get robust you can get robust yeah. civilian ones." Well, God is a, yeah, God is a tall man. Yeah, we could help you out if you yeah. <laughs> yeah if you if you if you go in and if if you go to the rosary shop. And that's because, you know the because suicide is considered a sin, isn't it? So that's why they're made suicide proof. Always suicide proof. They need to know you have enough faith not to attempt that. So if you go into they the don't want people just to... pray too hard when they're fumbling the beads. Yeah. No? Yeah. <laughs> but, oh. they, they, they need there to be are. really, really robust. So if you go into the, the rosary shop and you say, I'd like a, a strong rosary, please. How strong? Strong enough to theoretically hang myself after death with? Yeah. Have you seen... Oh. Seen Phantasm Two, you know Phantasm Two, that model. <laughs> I need that model. All right, I can sell it to you, but only under certain circumstances. How tall do you imagine God to be? <laughs> What's the biggest number, mate? Because that's how big. You go, all right, then here you go. Here's one. Um, yeah, he he only strangles him for a bit, but he doesn't kill the priest at this point because basically our uh, silver Phantasm balls need a bit of a workout. So. <laughs> He kind of walks off, I guess, to switch the balls on because we see them coming out of their box. He plays yeah. his little flute like Wonka and they, they come out ready to Can we start. call them spheres? Because when you say he gets his yeah, balls yeah. out, it just doesn't yeah. sound great on the podcast. He gets his shiny balls out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got three of them. <laughs> but, but once, once again, it's great. It's a great um, box that they come out with. It's, if you look at that box with the three balls in it, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a child's coffin. It's a baby's coffin, I think, actually. Oh. It's the design of it. Wow. So it's actually quite, it's quite a freaky. It's quite a freaky prop, actually. Um, yeah. You know, and it's got the, it's got that, it's got the kind of phantasm sound, hasn't it? When the priest opens it up, mm. it's got that. You once again that weird thing. So you know, it's creepy what, as hell. But then it has that that bit where it opens up at the front, yeah. and it oh, it's great though, isn't it? And they come out, you know, it's like three stage movement, yeah. and it's like yeah. the coolest thing ever. 
Yeah, really, was... really nice bit of kit, and unfortunately, real life horror as well, because I hate the feel of that material that's in the bottom of that box. Oh, it makes my skin crawl just <laughs> thinking about touching it. Oh, it's gonna bite your fingertips off. But um, yeah, like the the balls, he unleashes the balls. The spheres are released, like the lottery, which would go on to inspire the way the national lottery works. In in the that's future. where the lottery came from, Phantasm. Yeah. Yeah. That we can't rip off the balls can't be silver. Oh. I don't know. It'd be good if the balls killed the contestants, though, wouldn't it? In the lottery, be... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and if you happen no to Jim Davis, right, then there are and there, there are no winners for all of the people who entered the lottery. We've <laughs> <laughs> got the tall man drawing the draw with the ball. He's bought his own balls. It's like the anti-bonus <laughs> ball. His own balls. <laughs> <laughs> so it comes out. Um, the priest bait meets Liz very. Uh, briefly, but unfortunately, he does get a um, um, oh, he, he has an ear off first, so he manages oh, to yeah. move his head slightly. Yeah, he gets, just, yeah, he gets he gets nicked, um, by the thing. It's only a little cut, but it does take his entire it's, it's ear off. It's only a little cut that takes lovely, his whole ear lovely, off. It's a lovely revolving, floating ear shot. That is lovely. Yeah. That. You know, it's very good. Like so that lands on the floor like a salami stuck to the side of his face with some kind of flying Cuisinart. <laughs> and That's with the, yeah, which is brilliant uh, love with, that. with that gone then he gets it right in the mush um, and he um, it does a cranial bore on him later going mm. on to inspire, inspire the work of Turok the Dinosaur Hunter 2 um, and it drills his brain right out of him he does, I love when the when the spheres drill people because it's a great you just get a good old hosing out, don't you? Yeah. You just get like mm. it hoses all of the gunge out of him. And he, the actor playing the priest, does a good fall. The stuntman who did this bit, yeah, really commits to a solid fall over in this. I can't, I can't yeah. express can't enough how good that fall over is. It's a proper no resistance thump. Yeah, it's a proper right on the floor number. <laughs> so, but but I mean this. You know, with Phantasm, you're just waiting for the spheres to turn up, aren't you? And when when they when they do in two, he's you know he's saying, "Well, we're going to make everything bigger and better, and we've got you know we're upping our sphere game here as well." So you've got three, so we know that we've got we've got a, a, you know we see that there's a bigger golden one as well. So we're thinking, "Hold on, our golden balls is back in the game." So what's going to happen with that? <laughs> just for carrots, golden balls. And this is in a pre, obviously. A, a pre-Beckham world. <laughs> yeah. So basically what you're saying is Phantasm 2 would go on to inspire both Jasper Carrot's quiz show host uh, hosting career oh, and God, Golden God, Balls God. They, and is, David Beckham. There is something very Phantasm-like about those balls in the Jasper Carrot thing, isn't there? They really there are. Is. You know. And, and they destroy just as many lives if you've ever seen any clips. <laughs> yeah. International yeah. listeners, if you want to watch... Share or split. If you want to watch... <laughs> The oh, it's brutal. Possibly the, one which is absolutely brutal. Um, the worst of humanity, yeah. probably, yeah. that make the tall man look like a a lovely man. Because at least he tells you he's going to get you. He doesn't stab you in the back. But this it's... program, where you can split or share the money, my goodness, I've seen some well, well, darkness well, well, in humanity. Those set of balls were the tall man's psychological um, capitalist balls that he... he, he, he... <laughs> Unladen on the world in a, a different form of attack. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not entertainment. Yeah, he's, he's he's gone for the daytime unemployed crowd. Yeah, <laughs> um, scum. Yeah. So before he did that, right now he's just that's me right now. For God's sake, 
That's <laughs> literally me. Like the balls over there. <laughs> the tall yeah, man. Uh, Jasper, it's, uh, actually, homes, homes under the hammer of Dion Dublin. Is where, where, where I go to. Yeah. If you are listening to this audio only, then yeah. we'll try and describe okay. it. But well, I've got a couple. Check out the YouTube. What, what, what do these. you want to see first? Do you want to see? Sorry, if you if you want to see the book, here we go. There you go. Oh, look at that. It's a nice, book. nice formatted book. I love the commitment to a good bit of art on the front as well. Oh yeah, that's a great. Oh, nice. That looks lovely. Do love a good novelization of a of a movie. Now this is actually signed by her as well. Oh, it is. Oh wow. It's a limited edition. Very cool. Four hundred or five hundred. Yeah, this is four hundred, five hundred. So it's a very rare piece. This one. Wow! Um, yeah, it's a lovely, it's a lovely, it's a lovely thing. Look, here go talking about. We were just talking about our spheres. Ah, oh, sphere of death. There we go. Then I know you in these episodes, and we talk about this stuff. It's been a couple of episodes where there's a book mentioned, and before you know it, you've got a new coffee table book with you. I feel like oh, your Instagram yeah. in the next week or so, possibly oh. before this episode's even gone out, it'll be like. Hi, it's me, Ben. I paid an exorbitant well, amount of rare, money. It's for a rare, isn't it? It's rare. I want to be able to find but, it. But look, from the back, young Mike Pearson has a problem. His brother Jody is about to is is about to hit the road, and and two years after the tragic death of their parents. So I won't read the whole thing, but it's got the synopsis of the you have the writer there. So it's in really small type though. So I need a bit of a lighter one. But also, this is what I bought from the video shop in the 80s. Oh, my God. Look this at that. This is a preset. So that's just a sticker there because this is a preset. And look at this case. I mean, this is a... You it's know, like a cassette tape. Yes, it is like it's a hard plastic oh, yeah. shell, this one. Like it's an, it's an interesting... That's grand. That's so cool. Yeah, so that's my... This is, this, is the, this is the original copy of Phantasm that I watched in the 80s that I then bought from the store, from the, the video shop. Um, wow. has, it been, has it been watched? Has it been watched recently? Or do you try and keep it in? Um, I haven't watched it recently because it's uh, like, it's just watching it off VHS. It's, let's say this is the, the original sleeve there. So it's not even a, oh, yeah. it wasn't even a full kind of size sleeve for this back in yeah. this kind of case. It's good quality so, though, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean, it's a lovely, lovely thing. So yeah, my my, my love of phantasm started many years ago. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's grand. And um, already, I know that Ben's going to have to pay a pretty penny for his copy of Phantasm. While we were just looking there, I had a quick <laughs> glance on eBay to see if I could beat him to it. And uh, no, no novelizations available right now. I just oh. look for novelizations as well. There's only 500 of them out there, guys. <laughs> and we only yeah. know where one of them is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, we do. Don't forget to lock your doors tonight, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got the soundtracks as well, which I showed Aaron the other day. It's actually a promo copy of it, which was an amazing. Oh it's beautiful as well. It's a beautiful thing. So now yeah. you've created this like desire for this novelization. You're going to hear a noise outside your window. You're going to throw your curtains open. It's going to be Aaron ready to just punch the glass through. No, it's it's stored in my safe. Jake will be asleep under his phantasm duvet in his phantasm oh, pajamas. Yeah, Phantasm nightcap. You'll hear a noise, put on his phantasm slippers, come running down the hallway. It'll be the three of us in a long coat trying to appear as the tall man. To try and... <laughs> That's me, Jake, the tall man. Sure, you would give me a copy of the book. Aaron has a really brilliant phantasm t shirt, though, which I 
I haven't got that. But you've got. I do. I, I I made it myself because I I couldn't yeah, so get it. It's fantastic. I mean, it's, I've, I've never seen a Phantasm T-shirt, and it's his is fucking brilliant. So you know, but you made. It I'm yourself. not wearing it today. I'm actually wearing Fright Fest. But, but have you um, have you got it to hand though to show one? Have you got? I your, don't. It's next door. And... Is it in the washing bin? <laughs> no, Alice is Alice is in there. She's gone to bed. So if I go in there to get the Phantasm <laughs> shirt, she'll probably get the shotgun out and shoot me. I'm, I'm just getting the Phantasm booby trap on the booby trap on the door. So you've got to be careful going in. Yeah, so. let me see. Two seconds. I'll see. <laughs> oh, he's got to get it. If, uh, if we just, if we just, we never see him again. Yeah, and and Aaron split up with his girlfriend tonight. <laughs> After yeah, the show. Shirt incident. Like I, that's the first. Did. That's the first for horror hangout. So, did you do one with Kevin Martin then before at the lobby? Yeah, know? yeah, we did. We did a, a night at a creeps episode. I think oh, it might yeah, have yeah. even so been like would, a... he would have loads of stuff as well. So I've got I've yeah. got more fantastic some bits around, but um, I, it's just finding it. <laughs> it was pretty much exactly the same as that. Every time we mentioned anything, he had um, in, within something. like reach because he was in his video store when he did it, and yeah. he had yeah, like it's amazing, um, it's amazing that shot the lobby. Amazing. Night of the creeps was yeah. running on a TV behind him. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Look at that. See, look at that. That's there a good go. shirt. Oh, wow. That's I mean, that, cool. that is the big... I thought for a oh, second nice. Aaron was going to come in and like had changed into it like he was going to do a fashion show. Again, for oh, people on oh, the audio, <laughs> people on the audio, he has just held the... And wearing this delightful little number, Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> Who's dressed you tonight on the red carpet? Where, where are we at? <laughs> Angus Scrim. <laughs> where, where are we at with so, the film? What? After this little, after this little battle that we've had, um, uh, the priest yeah. got, um, got, got, and our heroes have a, a couple of battles with the, like the gravers, I believe they're called, um, yeah. in this mausoleum, and then through the through the events that unfold here, they basically find each other. So um, Mike runs out and hides in a grave, only to find Liz doing the same thing. They kiss immediately because they've been dreaming about each other for a it's, little while. It's a great, it's a great first date when the girl of your dreams falls into an open grave. <laughs> that's how that's how dreams go, isn't it? You you meet <laughs> you know when you say how did you meet that person and somebody has a cute funny little story. That's that, that's that, an open that, grave. You never guess what? hiding in a grave <laughs> it, it does build into that dream logic as well though isn't it because you do meet people it's me people you do imagine people how in do dreams. you dream <laughs> yeah, you, do, you do imagine people in dreams it's like oh they were really great what a wonderful person oh no entirely fictional i have concocted them and they do not exist at best Damn. they are a composite of several people that i've met well, either that or you're a dream warrior yeah yeah, <laughs> this is when you reveal that in your dreams you're a wizard master. Um, <laughs> in my dreams, I make phantasm t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. My girlfriend is not furious with me for barging into wake her up. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend's not furious when I try and get a t-shirt from there. <laughs> um, but that they are, they are fine with this though. So they have a little bit of a kiss. Um, Reggie turns up and goes, "Hey, up! Who's this?" So hey, it's, uh, <laughs> It's Liz, actually. it's Liz, actually. You know that girl you kept telling me was imaginary and just a big wet dream earlier on? Yeah, she was real, actually. Because, yeah, well, my my girlfriend's real as well, and she's not going to turn out to be the tall man. So there, let's go <laughs> back and see them. Um, so they, they, go back, they go back to the house. This is where we get the scene that we've already mentioned, where Liz and Mike sit in bed and, you know, I'm not going to say it's too soon. 
um, because they have been dreaming to and at each other for a little while now. But um, they're in love uh, and they're both comfortable saying it. So good on them, I say. You live in you live in your life one day to the next. You the tall men's setting traps for you. That's true. People are getting sphered all the time. You gotta you gotta leave nothing unsaid. So sure. they they love each other and have a bit of a kiss. Meanwhile, in a dream. Yeah, in a dream. Meanwhile, wow. Reggie's getting um dry humped to pieces while yeah, he's Try not to piece it. Yeah, he's having his like red, his house. Red rodeo sex. Yeah. <laughs> his crotch has been chafed to custard. He's been absolutely sandpapered. He's been emery boarded right here. So she's, you know. Home improvement. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Illinois count three. Um so yeah, that that's what's happened. It, again, a great a great comedy moment here. But unfortunately, uh, a couple of noises at the house. The grenade they set up earlier goes off, and while they go to, oh, look sorry at that to stop, you know, apparently there was a cut. There's a cut scene, an alternate thing where the telepathic love scene goes on a bit longer. And at the end of it, Mike says to her, "Well, that's about the safest sex we'll ever have." Which was cut apparently. Wow, okay. <laughs> so I mean, they did, they did go for the gag, but it got cut. <laughs> oh, and he was still pulling that face. <laughs> wow, this is great. This is great. <laughs> I gotta find that face. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> that, I need to find his face. That's your new background that's gonna come in. Um, yeah, it's gonna be whenever Jake calls me, it's gonna be that face come up on my phone. Wow, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I don't need to phone you, I could just use my telepathic link. Oh yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> We're dreaming right now. Yeah, I imagine, you know, uh, as biology works, even with these dreams. So Mike's waking up in bed, his jeans fully creamed at this point. Um <laughs> while um while Reggie's bloody Reg- stump of them. <laughs> Yeah. Reg Reggie has been almost halved at this point. He's been sanded down to a nubbin. Um <laughs> And um, <laughs> a noise of a grenade going off downstairs. As oh. grenades go, fairly reasonable. It's not too loud for for a grenade. Um, but they go to investigate downstairs? that. Yeah, <laughs> is that a grenade downstairs? You're having loud, uncomfortable sex. Well, it can be two things. Um, the the grenade goes off. They go to investigate, and unfortunately, while they're doing that, um, the tallman's at the window. Um, Liz makes the mistake of opening the glass. He thumps the window through and she gets slurped off out. So they've only just got her. And now, arguably doing what he should have done at the start of the film, the tall man's actually just directly kidnapped Liz. So Liz is special, like Mike, remember? Yeah. <laughs> and he sellotapes her mouth closed and he's getting ready to, um, I guess... Is he going to kill? Does he intend to kill Liz and Mike in a special way, or is it the case of he's going to do the same? Is he going to, um, you know, just turn them into zombies? Well, I think you need to carry on watching the series. Oh no! Oh, okay. But in terms of what the tall man's intentions actually are for Mike, is a different thing. You see, so oh. I think you need to you need to carry on, but. There's not. It's not like you'll ever have a definitive answer to that because 
like Don says, he he always wants things to remain a mystery. But you know, there there is um always a little bit more at play than you think <laughs> in the phantasm world. Okay. But two is more, you know, like I say, it's more of a phantasm two is it feels a bit more kind of literal in some of those moments like the kidnap feels less less sort of um metaphorical as you might find as it goes on in some of the later ones but there's some amazing moments we, we've got to do three and four at some point so we can really I see, think, yeah. see three, three at this. christmas because it's like home <laughs> alone yeah, yeah sounds good I, I'd I'd lock I'd lock that in right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you guys if you guys are up for it, we should return to this, and then you can see how you feel as the fantastic view as well. Okay, so let's just finish the series. Yeah. Because obviously, I love it so much, and the fact is, I know that that, that Aaron hasn't even hasn't seen three and four. Ben, I don't know if you have. No, have you? I haven't. Yeah, no. and, and no, you have so I'm excited for you guys because like, <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I, because it's so much fun That's as well. You're going to mask, you know. Um, or a hangout we, phantasm we special. Start going back to being weirder and even crazier than two, which is pretty nuts. But it's still, you know, by phantasm standards, it's quite straightforward. <laughs> mm. Oh, please lock that in, guys. Phantasm yeah, we'll, we'll, three we, Christmas we're, we're special. Happy, we're, we're happy to. I'll wear a Christmas jumper. Oh yeah, and a tree yeah, and stuff yeah. and a hat. <laughs> phantasm three is now going to be a Christmas film. Yeah. Well, it's yeah for us. <laughs> yeah, for us, it's, yes, it's not again. Christmas, but we could we can make it a Christmas film. And by happen. having that confirmed, then Aaron, that means you're secured to watching the third one. That is true. That is true. Pizza again, Jake? <laughs> I've got it. I've got it ready to roll whenever you want, mate. I love that. <laughs> He's queued it up on VHS. Well, no, but when we were watching One Miss Call, I was thinking, oh, I wish we were watching Phantasm. <laughs> be fair, I was thinking that as well. Yeah, because I did enjoy One Miss Call, but when it started going off at some strange tangents, instead of me enjoying the strange tangents in One Miss Call, I just didn't understand what was going on. Whereas with Phantasm, I may not understand what's going on, but I always really enjoy it because it's really, really fun. And like I say, what Don has is he has that completely unpretentious thing. And you can you can just enjoy his stuff because... The characters are always so much fun. There's a there's a real sense of bonhomie about about the Phantasm film. So, like, are you are you the kind of person who always thinks I'd rather be watching Phantasm, no matter what you're watching? Bake <laughs> yeah, off, strictly come dancing. Ah, oh, Phantasm. Well, I could be watching that. Yeah, what well, I mean, all of those things you mentioned, definitely. I mean, I do, that probably is a thought in my head quite a lot. But you know, yeah. but strictly come I know dancing. what you mean. It's no phantasm, is it? <laughs> it's no phantasm. It reminds you, I, I know later on Peep. BBC One. It's phantasm. <laughs> I know I've mentioned I've mentioned Peep Show already, but there's a scene in Peep Show where they're watching uh, some theatre, and they go, "Why are we watching <laughs> this? Be... We could be watching, <laughs> watching Heat. We could be watching Al Pacino <laughs> and Robert De Niro and Heat. I'm going to pretend I am watching Heat. That's, they, they should just love that. the word Heat with phantasm, and that's all. That's me. That's it. That's you. <laughs> yeah. You're like, are you enjoying this theatre, Jake? Are you pretending to watch Phantasm I again? I'm no. Phantasm. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually watching Phantasm Free right now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't control my brain. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, where, where are we at next? And so I can't they, where we got to. They go, they tool up, they're getting ready for a final battle, and things spiral here. We, we're ending, we, we're going into what is an action sequence that will take us towards the end. So they go to try and they leave uh, Alchemy behind and say, look, just don't do anything unusual, will you, Alchemy? You stay here. We're going to have the final battle. 
And then what we have is um, it's probably easier if we rather than go in sequence of the movie because we flip between characters here. They arrive and one of the first actions they do is put Chekhov's acid into his reanimation <laughs> fluid. Chekhov's acid. Chekhov's hydrochloric yeah. sulfuric acid. But if, once you show a bottle of sulfuric acid, you, you know it's got to be used in the next scene. Exactly. Yeah. So they spike the reanimation slash um, embalming fluid that the tall man uses to make his slaves and monsters. Um, mm -hmm. They pour that in, they pour this acid in there and in the Rio Regisar, let's see him bring anyone to life with this shit, eh? So they they do they do that and then we we just we are left to wonder as an audience member if that's going to pay off later we'll come back to it. Um, then we have he has a there's like a mortuary assistant who's a Rongan who's on the tall man side. He's not with the little man. He's one of the he's a, he's a big. He's a midman. He's a midman. He's a midman. One of the midmans. <laughs> I see. And he is about to push Liz into a big old furnace to burn her up. Oh, but she she sensibly rolls out the way, but unfortunately he does not learn this lesson. He very much um, a technique that would be um, homage years later by Charlize Theron in uh, <laughs> Prometheus, where going oh, to yeah. the side would have protected her, uh, and yeah. and this guy, but he doesn't. He just doesn't even put his hands out to the side to stop him going. He into just the screams. Fire. He just goes, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> Gets wazzed along the rollers right into a furnace. Um, maybe I lost track of this. Maybe the dream logic got me that he's all right there, doesn't he? He gets better from this, or is that just a very similar looking assistant? No, you're thinking of Monster Python. It's, it's a very similar looking guy. Who, who yeah, there's two, two very similar looking fellows. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both kind of sort of kind of cadaverous and they've got the kind of drawn in faces. And I'm, a, you know, so they've got that kind of that kind of similar look. But, but the, the, the into the furnace moment is fucking brilliant, and then the hand mm. coming up when he's locked in there. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an awesome, it's an awesome into the furnace moment. No, yeah. I, I'd I say think probably a bit top of, three um, into the furnace moments. I think there's a bit of. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what came first. I, okay, so I think they might have been inspired a little bit by Halloween Three because the henchmen in Halloween Three were all just robots in suits and ties. So it's yeah. kind of generic bad guy. If you're not sure what to have them dressed up as, all right, I've got my my uh, Oompa Loompa uh, midgets or whatever we agreed to call them. And then we've got the mid-tier people who, you know, what should we do with them? I'll oh, just stick them in suits. Worked for Halloween 3. Yeah, Maybe just a little thought there. If, if, if you're not sure what to do with a henchman, stick them in a suit. Stick him in a Halloween suit. But if you think of Halloween 3, do you, really, you need Tom Atkins to turn up as well. That's That's, you know... Oh my god! If you invoke Halloween free, we can't have a Halloween free conversation without Atkins being mentioned at least once. That's it. If Tom Atkins <laughs> rocked up in a Phantasm movie, I, that would that's be great, it. wouldn't it? Yeah, let's have him. I mean, let's come on, come on, Atkins. Let's reboot it with you in it. <laughs> Reg, Reggie's brother, you know. <laughs> or oh, he could be the priest's yeah. brother. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And his brother. Or he could just play the horny guy from Halloween 3. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, it could be some character. He's just going around trying to make sure all television stations are shut down. <laughs> Switch it off! <laughs> Travelling town to town. Telling his wife he can't be there. Down. He's going to a doctor's conference or whatever the <laughs> fuck it is. Say, I'm, going to a, I'm going to a graveside service somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's always a, one that's about to begin in a Phantasm film. <laughs> yeah. 
so meanwhile while this is happening reggie is having a chainsaw duel with another bad person downstairs right very reminiscent of texas chainsaw 2 yeah it is very reminiscent of that and a big chainsaw um what the biggest chainsaw no one needs a chainsaw that big do they depends on the size of the tree (laughs) that's true that's true but that is a that is a big chainsaw though isn't it i mean it is ridiculously brilliantly big you know and it's the biggest Love, lovely kind of um, sort of you, Reggie's in, inadequacies come brilliantly and it's, it's like a comedic face, facial performance there. Oh, yeah. he really shines as as as, as Reggie in that in that scene. Just yeah. his face says it, it all. It's also got to be one of the best backward climbs up a shelving system I've ever seen. <laughs> the only one seriously check out how good check out how good that is because that's that's an unusual wall that he's got behind him there and do you reckon he shot it forward he does it absolutely brilliantly while avoiding chainsaw bits it's it's really it's really great Uh, you know and he reggie did all of that stuff apart from the jump at the end over it which was a stunt double he said but that's the one bit they wouldn't let him do because it was oh yeah they wouldn't let him do that is that right yeah Yeah. that's right yeah but that actual backward climb is actually if you check it out again it is actually brilliant like and his the fear he had that's in that, <laughs> you know, and like the lovely moment when he, you know, he thinks he's uh, kind of lost his uh, his crown jewels is that that beautiful thing when you know his yeah. sort of belt thing comes off. It's pure Reggie reaction stuff. It's you know phantasm bliss that moment. <laughs> I think at so that good, point Don Coscarelli realised the the comedy potential in in Reggie. Yeah, like, that's a really because I, I imagine I've not seen them, but I imagine three and four that tone is kept constant with Reggie. Yeah, but but even when Mike sort of deflates him earlier on, when he goes, "You're just a middle-aged board ice cream ex ice cream salesman," it's so kind of brutal. And, it, and Reggie's reaction, "Oh yeah, thanks, Mike." It's so it's so <laughs> yeah, it's so specific. <laughs> You're just a middle-aged yeah. bold former ice cream selling guy. What? But the truth is, is that we realise that no, he's not. He's a fucking action hero. This guy's yeah. fucking great. But Mike doesn't spot that at that point. <laughs> So the, I think the audience is ahead with the Reggie character because you really love him being in peril as well. It is brilliant, you know, all of that stuff is so entertaining. <laughs> it's it's such a brilliant scene. And then meanwhile, what is? Oh, Mike then joins back up with Liz, and we get some more hot sphere action. So the other uh, henchman who is not in the furnace. Yeah, which is and that that henchman is a guy called Mark Anthony Major, that guy, the second guy, um, with who ends up with the axe, and that's another actually brilliant moment as well. I think as fucking he does a great so good. he does a great reaction shot there as well. There's a really beautiful bit of comic timing on his behalf, and interesting enough, that guy Mark Anthony Major actually looks a little bit more like Michael A. Baldwin from yeah, yeah oh, like, okay. funny enough, yeah, um, he does. Yeah, so just as purely by chance, but yeah, he he plays that really well. That guy, I really love his performance. So his performance here begins with him. Um, so the spears that the tall man uses are. Well, we've got our three, haven't we? So we've yeah. got our different different levels of spearage. Flying. So they're, they're they're deadly, but not necessarily discerning in that they get one of his own henchmen in the hand, and then it comes at him to get his head, and we assume this is the end of him, but maybe we'll see him again just yeah. now. And we see him again pretty quickly because, again, we've been flicking yeah. between these action scenes. Um, and as uh, Mike and Liz are reunited, before you know it, this guy's back. He's 
use the axe to get one of his but, but also hands not, just, not just any axe if you look at the axe it's a hilariously small axe actually yeah. <laughs> it's, a, a it's a hilariously small hand axe size but it's it's really funny the actual size of it when you look at it again it's kind of amusing because it's not, totally. not your normal brutal it's not your big shining axe it's just a little it's like a little hatchet Little, little hand, little hand hatchet. But, he you know, seems to get it off quite twigs. quickly, though. As well, he literally, as soon as the sphere is coming, he just goes and it's gone. Yeah. And I, I remember one... the reason it is a small axe that size because Don would have realised to try and chop your own hand off with a large axe would be a really difficult, be a really difficult swing. So a small hatchet size. I think that was thought out for that that moment when he cuts, goes for the hand chop, basically. <laughs> goes for the we hand just, job, Jake. We just, really. We just... We just see him with, if I could just reach my utility belt. <laughs> 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 so, um, he we have another encounter with them, and he's a poor, you know, well, this is the first of several backhands across rooms that poor Liz gets. So, first from this, uh, from this henchman who eventually does get got by, um, the sphere and actually ground up he gets a spear in the face the second time and is uh that's gone. brilliant though like the way he's rolling around and then stops for breath like uh, it's almost like tom and jerry or something oh it's, it's it's so brilliantly staged and if it, visually it's almost the equivalent of the of the the fly insect in the first film that mm. the whole the, i know it's I know it's it's different what's happening, but it reminds me of that. God, it's got that brilliant movement on it. It's it's a purely pure genius bit of motion, isn't it? And it's really really funny as well when he's being kind of moved around up against the wall by that sphere. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, yeah it's totally goes, played for laughs. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah. it's hilariously done. But but remember that you know they were a bit they were a bit influenced by Evil Dead Two by this point and that kind of slapstick stuff that was that was an influence on them and that that feels very much a Bruce Campbelly type you know slash you know you've got those gags and with when we get to you know the 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 the, the gold spear the Ripper spears they like they, they they nickname that on set the Rambo spear when it going through those doors that's pure kind of so Evil good. Dead Two that's pure Evil Dead Two Sam Raimi esque style filmmaking that. Very similar to a sequence that Sam Raimi did in his ABC murders, also called Crime Wave, if you've seen that. That's got a, a shot stuff going through doors, which reminds me of that 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 moment in Phantasm 2. You know, because that's what they're being pursued by, isn't it? As they get, is it yeah. that sphere that comes through the door? Because that they, yeah, and, basically... it's not kind of and you, the camera just stays with the sphere. It's just so good, you know. And then we close the slightly more robust door, which is when it gets there and eventually yeah. catches this guy, it does, right? Yeah, and... like burning through, and then you've got the the Monty Python rat moment. <laughs> yeah, and then it, yeah, oh yes, with the the, with, with the laser. laser. Yeah, got, what does the gold sphere do? Hold on, it's got a laser. <laughs> <laughs> a racket. So this is all oh, just wow. like a big a, one huge action sequence they get through and they the, our heroes realize that there is uh, a door which basically has the same entry points as the spheres come up with so they it's the keyhole it's the keyhole isn't it for the you need one to open it up <laughs> that's actually jake's keys to his house yeah just get my keys out <laughs> Yeah, you should see him when he goes to the airport. He gets out a phantasm ball, puts it on the X-ray machine. Yeah, I have, to, I have to sort of throw away, throw away my severed hand beforehand. Yeah, you have to say, you have to say to the people. Yeah, it has to be attached to a severed hand, otherwise it will start boring people. But but just um, before we go for the keyhole moment in the film, I think we've skipped Sam, the Sam Raimi cameo. Oh remember? yes, tell us. 
Now, remember early on when the morticians, they've got their, 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 they've incinerated a body and they're smashing up the bones. Yeah. There's, there's a there's a very specific shot where they're emptying the ashes into into like a kind of plastic envelope. And the camera comes up to the envelope and you read the label of the person who is the remains of the ashes. And it says, Mr. Sam Raimi. Now that that is because Sam Raimi wanted, you know, Sam Raimi liked doing cameos in films at this point of, the, of, of his career. But Sam always liked doing a little bit of acting, even though he says he's a crap actor, he really liked doing it. And he's in, um, he's in the, uh, what's it called, Night Shift, um, which was retitled something else, uh, you know, the one in the supermarket, which, mm. um, Oh, I can't remember the night crew. So Sam had an active thing, but he really wanted to have a cameo in in Phantasm too, because he was he knew the guys doing the makeup effects, and he loves Phantasm. So he was he said to Don, "I oh, can I have a cameo," and that Don couldn't get. A, he just didn't have a character that would work for him. So he said that Sam was quite disappointed by his cameo, which was just his name for those set of ashes. But for a horror fan at that time, you know. All yeah. of these things kind of did feel kind of linked in the 80s because these horror directors were all making stuff at this, the same time and they knew the same people and they were working in that kind of same environment. So it was a really beautiful, and you know, if you saw that in the 80s and that Sam Raimi moment, that was that was hilarious, you know, in a sense. Oh, that's a pretty cool cameo. Yeah, yeah, so it's a cameo, but Sam yeah, yeah, was disappointed with it. It's, Don says he was really annoyed. He wanted to actually be in the film, but that's the best he could do. Well, <laughs> that kind of goes back to what we were saying before, Ben about um uh night of the creeps with the whole references like dr like loomis oh, yeah, and all these names are just sort of being thrown around like making yeah. these films self-aware and stuff um and yeah, just by the way cool. when jake moves that's really unnerving when the ball moves with him oh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. it's almost like it's moving yeah, yeah. it's like the pov of the ball ah, ball cam <laughs> jake's ball cam <laughs> <laughs> See, ben, this is why we're saying spheres. Yes, spheres. Oh yeah. Um, okay, sorry. The Kahuna's on spheres. that camp. The Kahuna camp. Um, so yeah, we we get into the keyhole now. Uh, they sorry, keep it attached to. They keep it attached to a hand. They unattach it to the hand, and they manage to just pound it into the keyhole. And we get the we get the uh, we get the door open, and we see much like the first. Phantasm there. Um like in the white room, the start the space gate room. Yeah. Uh in, in a move space that gate. would go on years later to in, in inspire Stargate, of course. Wonderful Richard Dean Anderson vehicle. Um <laughs> yeah, so it's they have they have a Stargate effectively, except less round. It's more it's space two, gate. Two posts. It's dimensional forks. <laughs> yeah. It's like those little barrier things you get at Argos, but they're not connected when you've got to go yeah. through the queue. Oh yeah, it's like an anti-theft device outside a outside yeah, a yeah. shop. But instead of setting off an alarm, if you've got any soft tagged items that have not been properly <laughs> you deactivated, go you go yeah. you go to you go to June. You go to June. <laughs> Stuffed. Oh no, someone at the supermarket hasn't detagged this bottle of whiskey. Now I'm in June. Great. <laughs> um, so what, are in those, there. what are in those barrels over there is it chocolate <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah and reggie's getting ready to burn up the barrels of chocolate except this is when the tall man comes in he backhands liz oh, across a room no. um and he's he's taking names They're like to be fair <laughs> if there'd been if stone cold steve austin was a thing his music would have started at this point there would have been some breaking Agreed. glass 
Light up the breaking glass just like the tall man likes to do. We'd have opened yeah. the window, punched through the glass, there'd have been a shatter. And before you know it, he's getting tinnies thrown to him and he's clearing house there. <laughs> he drops we'll a drop stunner on he drops dun, a stunner dun, on dun, Mike. Dun, 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 smashes him through the smashes him <laughs> through the portal. Um dun, now Mike dun, fails dun, to dun, hold on with his oh, hands, but Reggie has got very versatile feet and he manages to hold on. Oh yeah. Which is is a, it's a brilliant. I love this sequence. It is fucking brilliant, hilarious, and and terrifying at the same time. Actually, when, in the Red Planet, when you've got Ed Girl coming out of his barrel, you know, all gloopy and kind of crawling. Ah, chocolate lady. Yeah, crawling towards, crawling towards them, and it kind of like it's he's a, just screaming his head off. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and you know, I love the way that Mike is using Reggie's body to to climb back through through the gate and like treading on his face and everything. And poor Reggie's just left there with this little, you know, nightmarish monster thing just coming towards him. And it's a it's a brilliant shot. Which I wonder, I wonder if actually David Fincher nicked that for Alien Three because of the. The bit where the the, the right. alien faces off with um, Sigourney Weaver, there's it's that that two shot. But that's the first time I remember seeing a shot like that, where it's the, the proximity of the the horror to somebody who really doesn't want to be right by it. And, and like I say, it's, it's really funny because of what's just happened, but it's also then terrifying because that Ed girl in that kind of um, full foam bodysuit is mm. is ter- it's a great image still. So um, close and such a slow core reminds me of we invoked this earlier on we talked about the haunting of hill house that scene where they're going down the dumb waiter and that hideous creature crawls across the floor ever yes. so slowly and yeah. comes in a really intense and long scene really close to the little girl except this time covered in chocolate looking like a bloody california raisin right there really really close to them and you say mike's climbed back over and i think this is established in the first john right on june there's lots of gravity, right? Which is why they're the tall the man. Planet. That's why they're condensed. They're, they're packed down to so they can work in the gravity conditions. Yeah. So they spec. That's a, the speculation in the first one. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of speculation, Jake, maybe you know this. Is it addressed in the later films? What work are they doing there? Well, the thing is, no one. That's never really answered, to be honest. You know, Harvest in Spice, but he controls yeah, the Spice, know, controls the universe. There was there was some plans where Don wanted to do some scenes on the Red Planet in in the second film, or but they just couldn't afford to to do that do it at that time on that budget. Maybe in Phantasm nineteen ninety nine, there might have been some more, probably a fool of that stuff, but we never we never really got to know. So Don kept that kind of secret, exactly what the tall man was up to. But he was an intergalactic grave robber, shrinking down people into an army of dwarves to work on this prison planet or wherever else he was trying to ship them off to. But there is a funny story attached to... Sounds like the Tories. Where, where they shot, you know, what they oh shot... God, yeah. The Red Planet was shot like um, by a dam or something. It's a place where there's just all these stones that go up to um, like a kind of infinity line and then they, they comped in the, the skyline. But it's incredibly hot. It was one of the hottest days when they were shooting that. It was about kind of like 9,700 degrees. Ed Girl was in his full his full body foam latex bodysuit, and it's not chocolate. It's actually kind of um, it's a it's a slime that they put on him. A kind of it's, it's got a mephalose kind of. I can't remember the full name of it, but um, it's a it's a slime. But because it was so hot, and he was like they they were outside in the beating sun all day. He was on a little deck chair, and he decided to have a little snooze, and this stuff started drying out on him, and the whole back of the the whole back of his costume ripped off when 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 they woke him up so 
That scene when oh, he's no. with Reggie, he's angled towards the camera. So oh, the whole side of the costume, he, like there was nothing there. It had all been ripped away. <laughs> so it's like this hilarious thing. You could like on, on a film set, you know, you've always got stuff which goes wrong. So you could say, oh shit, we've lost half the back of this costume. We've still got to film this scene. And you've got the scene with him slivering. So keeping his body angled as well to, to while this is doing it. But on your back. <laughs> But because he is that that small and it, it's a full body thing, it is really really freaky. That um, I really do think it's a it's a nightmarish image, particularly in that film. I mean, it that is. freaked me out in the first one as well. I, I for some reason I remember the first one being a lot more creature like sort of naked though. I think that's the difference in that. It's got that kind of like birth like quality to it. It's 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 a really great great image in the Phantasm series that particular moment. And we haven't yeah. given I think the the dwarf. That they have, they they do because he makes them out of the bodies of victims, including you mentioned it in passing, grandma. And obviously, yeah. after they've gone through their induction to uh, the Tallman's workforce, the now you've mentioned it as well, I and mean, it does sound like he might be the you know the MP, like the Tory MP for Litchfield or something like that. <laughs> um, but like they still have some recollection or some visual um, semblance to the people they once were. Except they work for the thing, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? You get a bit older, um, you get a bit smaller and start, you know, supporting <laughs> terrible, terrible <Just> ideas. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so the, the tall man, as they're getting through this, uh, as the guys are crawling out of this dimension, um, and they do get themselves back through, uh, so Mike pulls Reggie back through as well. Meanwhile, the tall man is about to embalm poor old Liz but they work together as a team to get him um, so what's the first attack what does Mike do first I know he gets sphered at, at a point here but doesn't he attack him with something first um, no he grabs the he gets the pipe the spear and says what was the line he gives him he says he says he gives him a quip like um, come and get it. Come and get some motherfucker or something like that. And he has the spear and lets go, and it goes into the tall man's head. And then, uh, and then he grabs the kind of embalming for piping, doesn't he? And starts. That's it. So yeah. So they, as thought, a team, does he do that or does she do that? I think it's either might be might be it might be Reggie. It might be Liz. But basically, yeah, you're right. So he Reggie gets, switches it on. That's it. So it's, it's a teamwork for everyone. So first, Mike lets go of the sphere. It gets the tall man in the head, and it squirts out a lot of his guns. But he's all right, actually. And a little alien arm comes out of him. Claw, like oh yeah. <laughs> Mike sort of snaps that off because uh, chucks it, chucks it away. <laughs> but so, after, mate. but Liz, having recovered from being backhanded and almost embalmed says you know she stabs the tall man with the embalming needle and then as you remembered correctly aaron reggie comes up and like says yeah get somebody get somebody acid up you mate um (laughs) (laughs) it's exactly what he says get some acid up you get some xenomorph blood and he and he puts it on uh chekhov's acid that we saw put into the embalming fluid earlier on comes into effect and he gets absolutely melted from the inside out. Um, he gets J horrid. He does. <laughs> what what horrid is this though? Like, because uh, obviously he didn't get cursed by a missed phone call. Um, he gets he gets uh, kind of 
blown up by his own acidic environment for it, doesn't he? He got, yeah, the, he got juiced. I, I love the shot of the, his eyes when they pop and burst into, into yeah. some yellow gum. It's the bit where his, his hand, I like, where the... the hand melt, melts off. off. Yeah. Melts off his hand and stuff. So once again, it's a really good, gooey, gungy, like 80s proper physical practical you effect. love it, Matt. What's the, um, what's the guy who gets toxic waste toxic waste killed in um, Robocop? Robocop? Oh, oh, basically, remember this long pause. Remember that name because that's the verb that he gets happened to him. Yeah, he gets that name apostrophe deed, um, <laughs> and then so that's what happens to him. He gets absolutely slimed off, um, and then good riddance to bad rubbish. Our friends say, and they dust their hands off, and alchemy has. Hot wired a car as you could do in the eighties. Can't do that these days. Not just a normal car. Uh, hearse. Yeah. Ecto one itself. So they, she is hot wired a hearse, and turned up to pick them up just in the nick of time for the film to, for the film to end. They all get back together. They even do a very sensible horror movie check, where <laughs> um, check about seat. Where yeah, they said, Was there anything in that, check, that coffin? Check what's in the coffin, yeah, yeah. Which is, and they said, Oh, thank goodness, which is the smart, it's the smart move, though, isn't it? Because normally you think something's going to pop out, so but, yeah, but no, that that jump scare has been averted. And then as they go back, um, we leave Liz and Mike to chat in their dreams a little bit more. <laughs> and Alchemy puts up the privacy screen. Now, if this were a J, if you know, if Reggie had made his full transition and was a James Bond character. He'd do a pun and get a gobby right now, and it'd be what a oh, smashing Jesus. time! What a smashing time he'd have. Unfortunately for Reggie, not for us, this is Phantasm too, and she whips her ear off, and she's got a big <laughs> oh, missing yeah. bit of head. Oh, maybe and he's as, into that though. And has a good laugh. Yeah. She, she thinks it's very funny. She's having a good old laugh about it. Now this is now this is the scene where there was supposed to be more, but they couldn't get the makeup effects to work. What they wanted to do is that they wanted to carry on her putting bits oh, off to reveal okay. her as the tall man underneath, but they couldn't make that work. So they then switched to the, that final gag. And when you see the tall man, you, you know, when you see him, you carry on going and you can get to build us up to that moment, if you like, Andy. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, this... yeah, so we, we, we see this happen and then we just see... Um... The car, the car suddenly stops, and we see. Um, so Mike and Liz see Reggie bashing himself, bashing at the window, going, "Oh bloody hell! It's all gone wrong. I'm right poorly," and he falls over on the floor. <laughs> um, and we, and you know, very sad to see Reggie. You know, as far as we're concerned, right now, yeah, dead again, again, cops it in every film so far. Uh, a trait which would be lifted by the makers of South Park uh, with their character Kenny. Oh my God, they killed Reggie. <laughs> Reggie. They killed Reggie. Oh God, Reggie. So again, so many, so much inspiration All over from this film. Basically, everywhere. Phantasm and Phantasm Two in particular, as it seems, is the cultural cornerstone of everything that society has built since. Certainly, in the world of pop culture entertainment, including um, Star Wars, Jake. Including, including Star Wars. Yeah, if you bet on that, yeah. yeah. Um, so including all, including all those things. So, and then um, it's, you know, 
echoing the experience had in the first one. It's the Tallman. He's back again. So remember the privacy screen. It's the privacy screen moment. Yes, uh, yes, right. And they go, "Oh, it's all a dream." And he opens the door. He goes, "Nah, I didn't." And he slurps off out the window. Because that because that makeup gag though didn't work of the of the thing where they wanted to reveal the tall man as alchemy next to to Reggie. Because that gag didn't work. When the privacy screen comes down and he goes, "No, it's not." If you look, the tall man has got. A section of bloody, like a whole bloody section in the same area that that Alchemy oh. had on oh. her makeup there, which was oh, supposed to be the last stage of that makeup, which they just couldn't go work. So, but that had been left in there. So when he says no, it's not. That's that bit why he has that on there because he was supposed to be like the transformed Alchemy character. Mm-hmm. But obviously that end scene, they had to change the end scene, so he made it. More like that kind I of it's still- but, but a remnant of that make that that makeup that didn't work though. So because there no one's hit him at that point, there's no reason for him to have that scar there. But that's the that's that. I think it still works effectively to show that he might have been in disguise. Yeah, no, but, but it's interesting though. This is one of those things where you could go, well, that's a bit of a weird thing. But when you when you realise that they just couldn't get that makeup working, you it, it just gives you a different vibe on on that moment. Yeah. That's really good. And I mean, the only thing I would say about the whole scene is obviously we have prepared for an American audience here. I think we as a British audience would have been very difficult, even in a life or death situation that you'd be facing in a phantasm scenario against the Tallman. Growing up as we have with the imagery and the culture that we're exposed to, if I'd said something was a dream and then a villainous figure had turned up and said, no, it isn't, I would have had to say, oh, yes, it is. I'm so sorry, <laughs> the tall man. Oh, no, it's not. It's a pain <laughs> you're in Panto, then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and just keep going at them while you back away and escape. It's not a dream. Oh, yes, it is. And you get <laughs> oh, more, no, and more, yeah. furious, more and more <clears throat> furious. Um, but that's it. That's the end of Phantasm 2. We did it, everybody. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Uh, there we go, then. That's Phantasm 2. Have you got any name game, Andy? I got any name game, Ben. I've been on holiday. I'm replenished. I'm refreshed. I got four I name it. games for you. Four name games. Okay, I'll let you. I'll let you take the lead, and maybe I'll chip in with one or two. Just to explain how this works, Aaron. Obviously, you're aware. You've played this game before, it's Jake. Fun. We're going to give you a synopsis for a movie, which sounds like slash rhymes with phantasm. And rhyme, is on, rhyme is and based, and based on the synopsis, you have to give us the title of the film. Essentially, um, all will become clear. Okay, well, maybe you can play one with Aaron first so I can see how it... Yeah, I remember the yeah, last yeah. one I did because Kevin was here for the last one and Kevin was getting them all right. He's <laughs> oh, a yeah. pro. Ke- um, what's the, pro. What's the synopsis, which I may or may not uh, end up following depending on how easy it is to fit into all Yeah, I don't know how much you want to follow this synopsis. So basically it is um, Mike meets up with Reggie and discovers his dreams are real and they both journey to find and stop the evil Tormund, that's right, Tormund, from his yeah. grim work. Um, okay, in this spin-off of Phantasm 2, Mike, Reggie, and Liz um, actually take a bit of a back seat, and it's more about the trials and tribulations of uh, Liz's um, mother's mother and her ordeals during the film, during her kidnapping. Uh, nan Nantasm. I'll have gone Grand Tasm, but yeah, I'll give you Nantasm. Uh, <laughs> same difference. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna ju- I'm gonna jump in with mine because uh, just because it's on the same it's in the same field. Uh, 
Mike and Reggie meet up and discover that, that the dreams are real and they're going to take on the Tallman. Um, but said grandmother is in the back seat and she's just distracting everybody by vigorously shaking constantly. Very <laughs> off-putting. Grand spasm. I, I would say Nan, but Nan spasm <laughs> is correct. Nan spasm. Nan spasm. <laughs> All right, then I'll throw this one out to you then, everybody. Um, so after really looking into how they defeat the Tallman and his nefarious schemes, um, Reggie and Mike discover that much like with a lot of problems, the actual solution is to just have a balanced high fiber cereal for breakfast. Oh, Grantasm. Grantasm. Oh, <laughs> so quick as well. <laughs> Grantasm. Uh, absolutely outstanding. Do I need um, more, Ben? Or do we, yeah, yeah. One? So Mike meets up with Reggie, discovers dreams are real, and they both go to find the tall man and, and stop his grim work. But Reggie gets involved in a sexual situation of which he has he reaches his climax multiple times. Orgasm. Orgasm brackets two. <laughs> okay, I got you. Yeah. Some, Orgasm brackets some, two. Some people can have that. I mean, you know, that's good on them, I say. I need <laughs> a bit of recovery. I need a bit of recovery time. Uh, any more, Andy? Um, I've got another couple, Ben. Here's one for you all, though. So, actually, Phantasm, you know, a spooky film that talks about the horrors of imagination. But in this case, in a feel-good story, uh, a young man who, following an a long obsession with a pop star dreams he kills his girlfriend and unborn child by email uh, by driving them off a bridge but it turns out it was just a dream stangasm not gasm you've got orgasms on the brain it's just stantasm stantasm <laughs> oh, yeah. i said chasm again all of mine have got gasm on the end stangasm <laughs> I can't seem to not. You combined do that. this one and the last one, Ben. Yeah, Stangasm. <laughs> He's had a Stangasm. Okay. Oh wait, uh, it was me. It was me. Oh, I love that. What a reveal. Okay, this this, about, this film. About, I've got one. How about a, there's a spinoff where um yes the, the tall man decides that he's going to um reutilize his re repurpose his um incineration units slash um what do you call it when they're Cremation, his cremation, yeah. you know, his cremation thing. He's going to repurpose them into into a more domestic kind of cookery kind of show, and uh, using a lot of cheese based products. Oh, Do you know what that one is? Oh, cheese based, based products. products. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, I was going to say. I was going to say he, oh. he brings he brings out his freshly baked, very nice sort of uh, you know, spheric. Flantasms. Flan oh, oh, flan no, no, that Jake. Popped, no. popped into my head for oh, some you reason. Have, you should have let it pop out. But when you said, but when you said cheese, I was like, oh, there's no cheese. Oh, you made it cheese. You have cheese in a flan, don't you? Cheese flan. I prefer a flan. Uh, cheese is in a flan. <laughs> I like it, Jake. Oh, listen to this. Listen to this one. Okay. Uh, Mike and Reggie meet up with their new, <laughs> their new friend. Jake West, and, and, it, and they go to watch some lovely theater or anything else on TV. But for some reason, Jake doesn't seem to be paying attention. His eyes are rolling back into his head as he as he clearly would rather be watching is, is, is envisioning phantasm. Uh, but what's he having? 
because he's a huge something of one of, of these films. So what a would you fan, say he's having? Fan tasm. He's having a phantasm. I, I said fangasm. I said fangasm again. I completely forgot the film's called Phantasm and I've just yeah. put gasm. You've got gasm on the, on the brain. Of I was going fangasm. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just going fangasm. It would be what um what comic book movie fans have when they learn that who who's playing Wolverine at Long Bloody Last. At Long <laughs> like, Bloody um, Last. I've got one more for you, Ben. So changing his ways from um condensing the dead into um sort of worker drones uh the tallman um actually helps um uh, helps society with its massive food waste and surpluses by getting a big cave that he can store surplus pork products in surplus pork products ham cavern yeah. I was going ham chasm. Ham chasm is what I'd call it. Sure, it's not ham chasm. Yeah, <laughs> just the ham chasm. Where do you Ben's where do you keep? I mean, you've got you've got your milk lakes. You've got your cheese surpluses in those massive warehouses, and then your meat products you keep in your ham chasm. There we Don't go. forget about your cheese flan. <laughs> ham chasm. No wow. more chasm. It sounds like that could be a euphemism for something terrible. Um, <laughs> What David okay. Cameron has, eh? You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's hard to have got him. <laughs> Okay, there we go. Right now, we need to we need to rate the movie uh, A to F. Pluses and minuses are allowed. Um, I guess we'll start with you, Jake. Are you are you going for a rate well, good or rate bad? Oh, well, it's definitely it's definitely good because it's a phantasm film, so that immediately puts it into into a higher category for me. Um, mm. It is a really fun phantasm film, and there's like loads of stuff I love about it. Particularly the the the, the whole kind of um, Reg's transformation into the action hero, and a lot of the really great fun stuff that is in this film. So for me, it's not my favourite phantasm film, and because I think because it's the one studio film and it's missing Michael A. Baldwin, I'm going to give it a B. I'll give it a B. Nice, fair enough. Uh, Aaron, so... what what do you think? Um, I kind of agree with Jake here. I mean, one will always be my favourite out of the two I've seen. But... <laughs> out of the four, out of two I haven't and two I've seen, um, I do genuinely enjoy Phantasm 2 from start to finish. And um, and actually seeing it with, with Jake was the first time I'd seen Phantasm with someone else. So it was even more fun. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, so I enjoyed I that I wasn't experience. thinking about watching another film for once. So I was actually watching the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, you didn't <laughs> have to pretend to be enjoying. I'm enjoying well, watching this, this film. Well, I hope it is. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I, I'm, I think I'm going to give... I'm going to be a bit more generous and I'm going to give Phantasm a B+. Oh, sorry, but well, I mean, I'll give it a B plus as well. But I didn't, I didn't realize we needed Upped. to give it. Plus. I'll give it a B plus plus if Jake gives it a B plus. Yeah. Oh, okay. no, it's a B star. Make, make it <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a great fun film, absolutely. <laughs> How about you guys then? Where do you sit? On what do you, what do you reckon, Andy? Um, for me, it's it's a classic. It's a classic. Me watching this, I think I I sat and watched it, and I was probably at the top end of a C. My first watching, there are bits of it I perhaps missed, I hadn't like fully understood. But then what I've done is I've sat and talked to a couple of people who are super passionate about it and can point things out that I had <laughs> missed and also give me some more background into 
the creation of it. And then I, I think with every little bit of enthusiasm and with little bits more that you learn about it, my rating has crept up as we've gone. And now I'm solidly <laughs> in B territory. And I'm oh, nice. so much more excited to go and watch hey. the rest of this series now from this extra context. Just like little bits. Like I think you forget with films that have always been presented as a as a thing, as a finished product that you as a film fan can watch. You don't necessarily with those older films or films that feel that they come from established filmmakers in your mind as a viewer with the same element as the approach that, you know, when we were at Fright Fest, when I was meeting the people and I was talking about it and I can see, oh, this is an independent film. So if there's something that, you know, you, you get to see a little bit more about what the limitations were and everything. I don't think we sometimes give films that were established and came out when we were much younger, the credibility that they had the same thing has gone. So hearing about them just gives me so much more appreciation for a film. So I'm I'm solidly on a B in this one, and I'm so excited to watch the rest of the yeah, series. And I think Three it's Bs. probably it, it's probably reached back through time and pulled up my thoughts on number one even as well. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's very phantasm. That's you've just been phantasm. Then you've, yeah, you've... I have. I've I've retconned <laughs> the end. I've retconned my previous ending. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like a dream that your first job. <laughs> yeah, I've been convinced, uh, and, I, and I promise that in saying this, I'm not. I'm not sitting here with a monologue going, "Yeah, tell them what they want to say, and then give it one no, and a half no, stars no, on no, Letterbox." No, no. <laughs> Andy, and the same with you, Andy, and the same with you. In fact, with you all, because you haven't seen all four films. Like I say, it would be really interesting if we do do if we do do <laughs> three and four. What would be really interesting is then to go back and get you to reassess it once more because yeah. you'll be able to see yeah. it in light of the whole the whole series. Or if we then did Ravager, then we would do five. But the point is, is that will give you a chance to maybe reevaluate that again because this is a series of films as well. So you need to see them all to really know where you want to place them. Yeah, this, I think this is probably we're probably looking at bonus episode for a for a series <laughs> ranking as well, right? Then maybe. Even get it on the oh God, get yeah. it get it on the socials, and then maybe we'll have a uh, a, a live a live streaming. See if we can find the fourth one uh, on an available service that people can watch along. We'll do a we'll do a yeah, podcast watch along. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a watch along live for number four. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm only I'm I'm only going to go for a C because I think it's the first time I've seen it. I would like to watch the rest of the franchise to see how it compares. Um, I definitely did prefer the first one. But still, there's there's still a lot to enjoy here, I think. And listening to everybody have such uh, passionate uh, love for this film as well. I've definitely ranked it higher in my head, I think. So I definitely want to check out your documentary as well, Jake, just to get a sort of roundup on the on the uh, on the franchise as well. So I will do that. But, but yeah, I think... don't, don't watch it until you've seen all four, though, because okay, all... all four of them. So you okay. Don't want spoilers. Oh, yeah, it will give you the major spoilers if you watch it. Yeah, 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 of course. There we go then. Um, okay, brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Where can uh, our listeners keep up to speed uh, with Jake and Aaron on online with your with any new projects you're working on? New shenanigans. Well, just to me, I'm just, <laughs> like I say, just heading off to festivals with Mancunian Man. Um, so that's just supporting that. But we are working on a couple of a couple of different things. I mean, I've got my my long gestating werewolf film that I think I told you guys about at Fright Fest called Feral. Trying to get that yeah. off the ground, but that requires getting money, and getting money is the tough bit. 
but me and Aaron are working on on a on a, a couple of little things, but we're not probably not announceable yet. But you can talk. I about wouldn't that. say so. I think I think it's too yeah. small. Too. I mean, there's nothing really there yet. It's until there's something a bit more tangible. I think, but mm. I mean, it's no secret that like, I know Stuart's been saying it. I've been saying it that I am working on the script for Paradolia, the feature film, and I'm working on it with Jake. Um, but through oh, that man. whole journey, there there has been sort of um, research that's gone in different directions, which has actually made Jake and I think, actually, let's have a look into some of these territories. And we've just sort of gone off on a slight tangent, but the work on the feature film is definitely going ahead. And Paradolia is 100% going ahead for Aaron to make as his first feature. I mean, well, hopefully, or maybe his second feature, depending on what happens on the journey. <laughs> but but yeah, so it's, it's always interesting, but we're collaborating on some ideas, but getting those ideas to a stage where we, we can present them and get finance and all the rest of it. That's that's the thing. But we'll let you guys know if once the journey yeah, yeah. kicks off, you know, that'd be good. Uh, socials in the show notes, I'm sure. Sorry, Ben, giving you work to do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of these course. are ones to watch. Obviously, if there's things that are that are on the boil and are going to come up, these are people you're going to want to follow. Because yeah. you know, Of course, we will, we'll, we'll keep our listeners updated. You know, with our horror news section, I think the first thing we like to do is always... Uh, keep everybody up to date with people who've been on the show as well and uh, connectivity yeah. as well ben i mean let's look at let's look at the past as well obviously we've got the we've got more festivals and events and things that are coming up where people can see the guys current films but jake i can't i can't have you on and not talk about some of some of what, your past what, what would you like past to, work as well know, yeah. i need to seek out uh doghouses on my watch list right now but also, show connectivity, um, uh, Evil Aliens. Um, yep. Emily Booth has been on the show with us in the past before. Oh, there's Ooh. a Razor Blade Smile. Razor Blade Smile. Like, First film. Get, in, get, in yep. check some, get, get in check some of these out. Like, one of my favourite things I'm doing well, post. Well, well Evil, Aliens, Evil Aliens was my kind of love letter to all the films that I, I grew up with. And there's some huge, huge... Um, homages to phantasm in that film um if you watch that film you you'll be able to guess fairly quickly what those are <laughs> um because that was my love left to all the all the from evil dead to like bad taste to yeah that was just my film so my teenage self so that's that's my silly spat film evil aliens if you haven't seen it go you can play spot the spot the reference with that one which is an interesting game <laughs> and well, well, uh, well cast for someone who has any appreciation for British horror or sci-fi comedy as well, right? With your yeah. with your casting choices as well, brilliant stuff. Yeah, yeah, we, we had Norman Lovett in that one from Red Dwarf. Yeah, <laughs> so oh, wow. yeah, I need to Amazing. go back. You know what? I now you've mentioned you've got Phantasm things. I don't think I have seen Evil Aliens more recently since I've watched Phantasm. So I'm going to now need to revisit Evil Aliens. Get ready for a bonus episode anytime soon, Ben. As soon as I as soon as I've got Evil Aliens back, I think my I think I've still got a physical copy at my parents' house. I've only just visited them as well. I was no a way. fool not to get it while I was there. Um, this is why it doesn't make sense for the the tall man to go back to the house, like do it twice. That's why he'd get her to go to him. See what I mean? You you're just umming and ahhing about going to your parents' house again. You've just been there. Why would he? You know just. Just going back oh, to our earlier, see. earlier point. What I need to do is kidnap an old man to get him <laughs> to then steal That's something. That's how all your my... plans begin, Andy. Kidnap and reanimate an old man. 
Or That's what they do on go, Planet Dune. Yeah, get him to go to my parents' house, and I don't want to kill anyone. Um, so maybe just like hide their keys or something like that. And then when I go, oh, yeah. and then when my dad goes, oh, where are the buddy keys? I'll have a quarto. Here, here's my key. <laughs> yeah, here's the key. I'll get a quarto to pop out of it and say, oh, at least. The- Run, run evil aliens up to Andy in Scotland, would you? It'd be like, all right then. <laughs> I suppose. There we go then. Uh, wow, that was a, a mammoth, a mammoth discussion of Phantasm 2, as well as everything else in between. So thanks everybody for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review and head over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Just search uh, Horror Hangout Podcast. You'll find it. Next week, we're doing The Grudge. Due on The Grudge with Sarah Appleton and Jasper Sharp. So prepare to get J-Horror. Yeah, J-Horror right up you, everybody. Get on it. <laughs> you've, got, you've got the right people, the J-Horror virus makers themselves, who know more know. about J-Horror than anybody else. There they can probably name... In with encyclopedic knowledge, everyone who's ever been J horrid ever. <laughs> and we'll ask people. them next week. We'll just yeah, sit them down and say, right, everyone who's been J horrid, go. That's going to be so the follow up to the J horror virus, isn't it? J horrid. J horrid. The sequel. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, see you next week. See you later. Bye. bye. See ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.